welcome everyone. That's my power stance. To Respawn Aimfire, episode 161, the kick-ass, irreverent gaming podcast from affable idiots. I'm Chad Michael Linus. We've got Holden DePardo. That's me. I'm right here. My name is Holden DePardo. And we've got the dreamiest fan base of all time. Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. Joining us from all over the globe, un globo, right now. That's it. I'm tired. Every Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, you can put us in your earballs with your favorite podcast service, or put us in your eyeballs by searching for Respawn Aim Fire on YouTube. That's right, everyone. We are in the third, second dimension. We're on YouTube. If you want to add us to the fourth dimension of time, you can watch us right now on twitch.tv slash idiots every Sunday night at around, and probably, let's, let's commit to 8.30 Eastern, like we're doing right now welcome to the chat dallas df and smitty Ooh, here we go uh this episode so remember, today, know that he's on trial for murder right now it really should he's on trial for be, murder yeah just, just be question about his presence it's not a great thing it's scary yeah. he's very scary he he's snap. one of those people who who's like you'll get a present from him and his presents are just like a cardboard box with shit in it like it literally dog shit <laughs> somebody has a joke about how they can't wait to get old and be a grandpa because then you're allowed to do shit like that. Like you're allowed to shit in a box and send it to your grandson because you have dementia. And that's and they're like, I can't wait for that to be excusable. I don't remember who it is. Maybe it's Daniel Tosh? I don't know. Um, we've got a lot of fun shit for you today. We were talking about that Unreal Engine 5 that was just shown off. We are talking about some next-gen shit. We are talking about... I didn't put anything in the playtime, but we're talking about what I played... Ghost of Tsushima, but before we get all to that, shout out to a friend of mine, um, Kieran, who was listening to our podcast for the first time and said, man, your intro music is so much louder than the rest of everything, and I realized I'd been doing that for 300-ish or 200-ish episodes, however many things we put out of this thing, and I was like, oh shit, yeah, everything's four decibels louder on the intro music, and I never even realized it, so you're welcome, audio listeners on podcast services on YouTube, it's not going to be balanced better. Thank you, everyone else, for not bringing it to my attention, you assholes. But for now, let's go to Game Court. <laughs> Attorney-based strategy for determining game character guilt. Every week, we put your favorite video game characters and villains on trial for the heinous crimes they've committed. Holden and I will argue for and against a defendant. And it's up to you to decide on Twitter in the following days the fate of said character. Last week, we had a groundbreaking trial where we actually put on trial a real-life human being. Dallas Smith, D. Smitty Games on Twitter, D. F. and Smitty on some game things, D. R. F. and Smitty maybe on Instagram, he, Heel Smitty on some... He needs a, he needs a brand, everybody. Help him, help him get a brand and make everything the same. But he um, murdered Alex <laughs> Cozina. In Rainbow Six Siege. I won't bring up the video just because it's too disturbing to watch. It's uncomfortable. It's it, is, it really makes my, like, it makes my butthole yeah. squirm. If that's I just never knew Dallas was capable say. of something like that. And it makes me just a little... I did, but I just didn't know easy. it would be someone I was so close to. Mm -hmm. Like, you think six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Like, you're going to have at least six degrees of separation between you and the murder victim. At least. This was no. like two, maybe. One. I, I think this is one Alex. degree separation. Yeah, one degree. Yeah. 
That's rough. Would zero degrees be yourself? How's that work? I don't even know. Zero degrees is the same as 360 degrees. <laughs> Thank you. It's a circle. <laughs> <laughs> All rise for the Honorable Judge Dredd. <laughs> it doesn't get old. I love it. <laughs> Happy Voldemort Day for those of you watching. Uh, every day is Voldemort Day when I wear this shirt. So <clears throat> we put out the poll on Twitter, as we do every single week, uh, and you all unanimously voted guilty of some kind. Yeah, everyone voted guilty. Everyone. But there's been a further development in the case, and uh, our prosecution would like to say something. I believe you have a prepared statement. Holden? Yes. So on Thursday night, May the 14th of the year 2020, <clears throat> excuse me for a moment, this is tough to say, but I killed Alex Cozina. And it made me realize something very important. I was the prosecution last week as well, and I can't sue someone for something that I did myself. So, Dallas, we have dropped all charges, even though everyone unanimously believes you're guilty. We dropped all charges against you. But that's... Uh, let me do another thought. I killed Alex pretty easily. I wasn't trying to kill Alex, and maybe Dallas wasn't even trying to kill Alex either. Though I still have some questions. I don't know about Dallas. So Dallas is getting killed all the time. I'm suing him for being a con artist and trying to scam for insurance money. If he gets injured on the job as a police officer in Rainbow Six Siege, he gets all the insurance money, gets worker comp, he gets a lot of money. So the fact that two weeks in a row he's been in the way of C4 and a bullet, I don't think so. It's a, li it's a little suspicious. So to be clear, this week, Alex Cozina is on trial for insurance fraud. For insurance fraud, yes. For putting himself purposefully in harm's way on multiple occasions. Absolutely, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, on the finale of Game Court... We now turn the tides and put, we are victim shaming, victim blaming on game court this week. With Holden being the prosecution, I will be the defense for Alex Cozina, and you will determine our final verdict of guilty or innocent for Alex Cozina. We will start with the prosecution's opening statement, which will probably sound very similar to what we already just heard. I mean, wasn't that my opening statement? I could just yes. go over some bullet points again. I, I, just, I just want you to say it succinctly in like two sentences. Yeah, absolutely. So what happened here? Da uh, all charges being trapped against Dallas because Alex is clearly uh, trying to scan the insurance system and get workers' compensation for being injured on the job. He stood in the way of C4, which is how Dallas was accused of murder, which we've now dropped the charges of. And then I accidentally shot him because he walked in the way of my bullet. He knew he knew that he was walking in front of the bullet. Undeniably, he knew. Absolutely. And this has happened in the past before with Alex on occasions that we don't have expert witnesses or eyewitness testimony to bring in right now, but they exist. It's happened before. This is a patterned behavior, and it needs to stop. This is fraudulent, and it is not okay. Thank you, prosecution. <clears throat> we now turn it over to the defense. Thank you, dear <laughs> Honorable Judge Dredd. <clears throat> Sorry, I had something judge in my throat. Dredd? This is my normal voice. <laughs> yes, this is Judge Dredd. It's Judge Dredd. <laughs> I have not given any thought to my defense for Alex Cozina. 
And right now, the only thing that comes to mind are horribly offensive and in bad taste things about victim blaming. And I'm not going to go that route. So instead, what I will say, as I'm making it up on the spot right now, as I'm stalling to try and think of something that might save his life, (laughs) is that it's very easy to squash a ladybug. (laughs) They're not that fast. It takes a lot to get them off of your shirt when they land on your shoulder. No amount of tugging or ing or swatting at them without touching them will get them to leave. However, they are immensely fragile. A mere press of a shoe or a squish of your fingers and that ladybug's life is ended. That doesn't mean that it's the right thing to do. Or that killing that ladybug is any less horrible. (laughs) It's not the ladybug's fault that it's fragile. That's how God made it. (laughs) And God made Alex Cozina to be incredibly killable. But that does not excuse the actions of Holden DePardo and Dallas Smith. I move to have this case thrown out as a mistrial under such horrible circumstances as these guys are guilty alex is innocent (laughs) that's it that's all i have to say your honor wow that was incredibly incoherent but um it goes on the record so that is that is our defense for alex kazina he's a fragile little ladybug and now that is up to you ladies and gentlemen again for our finale this is our final game court for our finale go to twitter.com slash respawn aim fire vote to determine Alex Cusina's fate, whether he is innocent or guilty, or both, if you have two Twitter accounts. But for now, <laughs> let's move on to our next segment, which is playtime, where we talk about everything we've played this week. Holden, while I brainstorm what I played this week, and then write it into the yeah. note, I'm going to let you talk about what you played this week. Yeah, so I have a quick update on the. I have a development update on Super Mario Maker Two, my Super World. Ah, Super yes, Mario Maker Two. So I made some levels. I had my brothers playtest one of them, and I kind of gave them the easier of the levels that I had made, and they thought it was way too challenging for a World 1. So um, the good news is is that World 2 or 3 is mostly done at this point. (laughs) (laughs) The bad news is that World 1 is going to be put off maybe another week? Maybe? I don't quite know yet, to be honest. Um so yeah, so it'll come soon still. It's still happening, but you know, we've we've hit some hurdles here. But moving on though, um most of my games this week were from game nights. Played Mario Kart 8 Deluxe and um Rainbow Six Siege, the Grand Larceny event. Uh yes, Dallas, you were still the record holder, by the way, on my Mario level. So we played those two games on on game night. I don't really have anything much to say about Mario Kart 8 other than that game is just so much fucking fun. I love playing that game. Those bots are hard. Like, I'm routinely coming in, like, 5th to 7th to 10th in those races. Oh, yeah. I would... There was a few times I went from, like, 1st to 7th. Like, instantly. Because he was, like... And I'm not bad at this game. No, you're not. You're talking to the number one game. I'm number four in the world on that crab level in Beat Saber. Okay? (laughs) You're talking to Chad Michael Innes here. Here's the thing about when you're playing on Hardcom as well, is... Once you're like in the pack, once you're Look like between, you, in the, you sound so hip right now. 
when you're playing against Hardcom. <laughs> freaking over here saying um, bet and <laughs> <laughs> when you're in the pack, I'd say like between like. 12th and like maybe 4th when you're in like that range there it's hard to get out because yeah. everyone's after you it's very hard once you're ahead in like the first three it's not so hard to stay ahead it's harder to get out of the pack than it is to stay ahead of the pack I think um, I'm curious of the changes we could do normal next week for game night um, but I also played Rainbow Six Siege the Grand Larceny also speaking of hard holy shit we got our asses handed to right? us it, what we did a really well a week, week made yeah Everyone figured out the strategies, and I had only played it on you know the two Thursdays we do game nights yeah, the past too. two weeks. So I guess people got more practice than us. Is that event still going? Uh, it goes through the nineteenth, which is in two, two days. days. So by the time people are yeah. listening to this live, uh, I'm sorry, not live, then yes, it will be over. Yes. Well, if yeah. they listen to the morning, they might have some time to play. Maybe. I think we were just playing really shittily. Because, like, mm-hmm. we were playing that event, and then after maybe, what, 45 minutes, we're like, oh, you guys, I just can't take anymore. Let's just play regular Rainbow Six. And then we were getting our asses handed to us in that. But yeah. immediately after that, we left. You, like, left game night completely. Matt, Alex, Dallas, and myself all played Warzone. And the very first match, we came in first. Got a big old W, the War Boners. Oh, that's our reward cry. <laughs> War bonus came in first on that round. We have a brand new strategy from Matt that helps us like get there every single time. It's great. It's wonderful. What's the strategy? Uh, the strategy is, we played it a little bit with you, is that you immediately just go for as many recons as you can. One person dives oh, yeah, down yeah, into yeah. a recon outside the circle. The other people up or above, and they go to wherever the first thing is going to be. And then you grab a helicopter, and you just recon bounce from one to one to one the only thing that fucks us up is when dallas just gets happy like trigger happy with a vehicle and he's like you guys there's someone over there i'm gonna go blow it up and there's also ninety thousand people over there and then we all die and that happened a lot of times but i'm not blaming dallas but to be I'm fair dallas probably didn't die it was just you guys no you guys he did we all got dallas. massacred every time that happened Oof. and then the last time we were going out it was just like we finally i was driving i was in control of the car and we were driving. It was really great. We were like going to the opposite side of where we thought the inside of the circle was going to be. And there was we came across a big truck. And I stopped. I put it in reverse, started going the other way. And Dallas was like, big truck, let's get out. And he hops out. And I'm like, why are you getting out? And he's like, uh. And then immediately, like three teams all swarm us and just massacre us. And we all die. <laughs> and I'm like, next time, Dallas, you don't get to decide. I'm the decider. <laughs> Well, I still have fun with that game, and I'm going to keep it installed for a little bit. I actually wouldn't mind playing that again sometime soon. Um, Which one, Rainbow Six or Warbone? I mean, I'm going to keep uh, Warbone on my uh, Xbox all the time because it's a space for it. But yeah, I'll keep Siege on my PS4 because it's only like 60 gigs. It's not too bad. Um, But here's the thing. We played another game this week that we both played for two hours. I don't know if you could call it a game. Well, oh, yeah. It's more so of just... like a piece of trash wrapped up in a bubblegum wrapper. You just spoiled the entire conversation. <laughs> We're gonna rip on Final Seventy Six, basically. I so just oh. a little like <laughs> little uh, background on my experience with the game. I played it a little bit after E three last year when they announced the Wastelanders update. It was supposed to come out fall, but now it just came out recently. And I was just wandering around doing some, like, non-mission-based Fallout stuff, which is not unusual for me. That's kind of how I play Fallout 4 anyway. So I was thinking, like, hey, this isn't that bad. I actually 
kind of like this. I can't wait to try it out when the Wastelander updates come out. Had I tried a mission, I would have had the exact opposite feeling <laughs> coming out of that demo because holy shit, it's unbelievably bad when you start getting into missions and, and all that stuff. Chad, you already said your impressions of it, but what, what do you think? Um, so to be clear up front, take my opinion with a grain of salt because I'm not a person who enjoys Fallout. Just the world of Fallout, the general mechanics of Fallout. I played Fallout 3 for maybe about 20 hours when it came out, and I was like, mm, I don't really like this, and then I didn't try any of the others. That being said, this game is horseshit. It is, <laughs> it is ugly beyond belief. <laughs> like, it looks really bad and gross and just generally brown. Um, the characters talking to, like, they talk way too much, and I don't care about anything they're saying, and then all of my text responses are all just text, and I'm like, I don't really want to talk to anybody. I don't care about anything. But then you talk about the, the gameplay, and the gameplay of it, the shooting mechanics, mechanics are awful. They are mm -hmm. awful. Reloading your gun, especially a, a lot of these trash, like they're legit trash guns. You're picking up things made from pipes and shit like that. And reloading them takes forever. And enemies all have guns. <clears throat> and when you're playing in third person view, it's impossible to be accurate with a bludgeoning weapon. But So I had to eventually switch to first person view for that. But they're the typical Bethesda jank. There are enemies that were headless, that weren't responding to anything. They were warping all over the map. Can I stop you for a second? This is beyond Bethesda jank. Like this is way beyond that. Fallout Four was not nearly this bad. This is like untested game. It's just sorry, I just had to yeah. jump in there. It was awful. It was an awful experience yeah. for me. No, there are so many mechanics in the menus and shit like that that don't make sense and are never explained. And we go in and we are trying to do a mission or what we thought was a mission, and then we get in there and there's nothing to do, no quest markers or anything like that, and I have no idea what the fuck is going on or why we're in this place, and nothing seems to make sense, and I had a miserable time. I had, probably the most fun I had with this game was the four minutes that we all were trying to figure out what the fuck to do at that campsite, and we took pictures <laughs> with us naked, and, and then uh, <laughs> going to Dallas's camp and just putting a bunch of ramps in his campsite and building a bunch of shit on his empty ground. Uh, so now he has to deal with that. Yeah, so dumpster fire, absolutely. I mean, the the things that shocked me, like you brought up the mission structure, I'll touch on that in a second as well because I agree with you there. When I went to join your game, and I'm like, yes, I would like to join Chad. I would, And I said, like, I'm going to join Chad. I'm going to join Chad's world. So it would be very obvious to put me, like, I don't know, maybe, like, next to Chad or in the vicinity of Chad or, like, maybe, like, within the same half of the map as Chad. But, no, I was on, like, the opposite side of the map as you, it felt like. And I had to fast travel to get to you. So I load into your game, and then I have to load to fast travel to you. And it's not like they don't know where you are on the map because they literally show an icon that shows your position on the map. So, like, yep. I, I can't even imagine why that would happen the only thing i can think of is that they do try to load you in where you are where your location is when i request to join your world and then you run away 50 miles and i load in where you initially <laughs> were that's the only way i can think of that's that's how that, that happened. was not the case that was wherever you loaded i had never been before yeah it, it was baffling to me i, I couldn't I couldn't believe it. Um, and then you get to the or, mission structure. Like whenever we, whenever we all fast traveled to Dallas's camp, and then we got like it loaded us stuck in his uh, in his platform. Like, yeah, all of us were just yeah. glitched and stuck under his house because of fast travel. Yep. Yeah, oh, trashy McTrasherson. But the mission structure is even worse. I mean, you're in an RPG. 
one of the I, I just feel like to me i never thought of this as the staple of an rpg until i realized it was very much absent in this game which is a, a clearly defined mission structure of like you're going here to do this because you're role-playing something to go on a journey together in this case with your friends you have this goal like rpgs are very much based off dungeons and dragons dungeons and dragons is like hey this is your goal this is what you're doing what do you want to do on in this role-playing experience this is literally like yeah um hit, you hit a button in one area of the map at a power plant and it says actually you need to power this because you want to know what happens when you push the button right so go to this nuclear power plant and then you get there and you're like, what door do I go in? Like, what do I do? Navigate it. And eventually we found out how to get in there. And it, I just stumbled upon the entrance. And then you get inside and you don't even know what you're looking for. It turns out we were looking for, I don't even know. I didn't see it. You and Matt found it. What was it we were even looking for in there? We, we never we never ended up getting what whatever that mission was supposed to be doing. Like we got in there and we we're like, okay, cool. There's some panels we got to repair because there's a repair button that shows up whenever I'm by this piece of trash. But then Matt looked it up online, and apparently outside there were, like, pipes we had to repair, and he went and did that. And then after that, we're like, now what? We don't know. It never told us. We don't know what to do. It was bad. It's things. shocking. It's it's really shockingly bad. I can't believe Bethesda put out a game like this, because that was the best part about Fallout 4 was, oh, I met this person. Um, they want me to help them out with this little thing over here, so I'm going to go like help out the Minutemen, or I'm going to go help out like whatever group it was I was with. There was the factions. like There was a world and lore and stuff there, and there was nothing. There was nothing at all. The, the most egregious part of it, it's pronounced egregious, um, the most egregious part of it <laughs> is that the content we were playing is not Wastelanders content, which is the new stuff that they're like, hey, play yeah. this weekend for free for because of Wastelanders pack. It was the original stuff that was in the game when it launched Broken a long-ass time ago. Ass time. And so, like, that's the shit they should have ironed out by now, but they didn't. It was still horribly trash so many months. When did it, was this last year that it launched or was it the year before? Has it been out for, like, 18 months or just, like, six months? 18 months. It's closer to 18 months. I think it came out in, like, November of... 2018. That's, what, that's so, yeah. I was concerned. Yeah. God, how is it this bad still a year and a half after launch? I know. I hate it. And, and it's not it. like they haven't done any updates. They have done updates. They have improved things. They've launched a you know Fallout first subscription service to gouge money out of anyone who would even want to play this game. I, I'm really surprised at how terrible it was. Like, I, I can be harsh on games sometimes. I can really kind of go after a game. Like, all right, Spider-Man. I was really harsh on Spider-Man. I don't think that game sucks. But I, it wasn't something that, like, spoke to me. I didn't really, like, like my experience as much as I, I had hoped. This, I think, is a shitty game. Like, I think it's a really bad game. And you really don't see that that often, which I think is what makes it so jarring. Yeah, I, I can't believe this game exists. I was thinking I really about it can't. today and like how I would talk about it on the podcast, and I and I started to think, is this the worst game I've ever played? And I I honestly didn't know, and it might be, it might be the worst game I've ever played. But part of but that, can you think caveat of anything is, else right now? I, Sorry, I, I can't totally think of anything else right now. But yeah. the caveat is that I usually don't play games that I think are going to be bad. So okay, it might not fair. be the worst game ever made, uh, for sure. But it might be the worst game that I've ever played. Yeah, I mean, it's it's possible to say it's the worst game ever made. Right. Um, there's there's a few like one and two re reviewed games in IG, and I'd love to play and see what those are, <laughs> those are like. I'm sure they're I, worse. Let's just say I enjoy. I would play Metro ten times over before I played Fallout seventy six again. 
I was just going to ask you, is Metro worse than this? Um, Metro was yeah, jank, it's, and I didn't enjoy it, but it was it was better than Fallout 76. Well, like, I think we could agree that Metro had, a, had structure. <laughs> you were mm-hmm, never really mm-hmm. confused as to, like, what you were even trying to accomplish. Not even where to go, what you're trying to accomplish. Like, I don't, there's so right, many Right, they just put you out in the I world, think- and they're just like, hey, here's the world. Like, cool, what do I fucking do in it? Yeah. He's going to go look at brown trees and kill a robot. And then get killed by radiated people. <laughs> I, I the one positive thing I can say about it, this is hardly positive. Um, the the brownness of the world didn't really bother me too much because it's still the most vibrant looking Fallout game that I've ever seen compared to the Boston wastelands or the I should say the uh, like Cambridge, um, uh, Cambridge, Lexington kind of. I just want to say Cambridge, uh, Concord, Lexington, uh, like Boston kind of Commonwealth area they had in Fallout Four. That was brown and kind of murky and stuff i liked that world but like this was really vibrant in comparison so i liked that but it also just looked terrible like the trees looked awful and there are so many of them that it was hard to imagine that like every tree was basically just there's no leaves it was just like a flat texture that had like leave like pattern on it and they put a few of them on a tree so it's like (laughs) oh man it was really bad uh yeah and then I was I'm, thinking, I don't, I don't know how much longer we want to spend on this, but I, I, I was thinking while we were playing the episode. game is like, I don't know if I've ever played a Bethesda RPG that I had a good time with. And then I, I was starting to think after that too, and I was like, I don't, I can't think of many. Like I was like, surely I've played something in the past, but I was like, no, I really can't think of any. Because I've never well, played like, Skyrim or anything like that, but I did play. I played a, like twenty minutes of Morrowind, got my ass handed to me, and said, no, thank you. Here's a comparison for you. I think this is what it is. I just this just hit me right now in this moment. So this isn't fully thought out. But what is Bethesda good at? Bethesda's good at writing. They're good at creating characters and stories. And from that you can extend and say memorable environments, memorable locations. Without characters, without writing in any way, shape, or form, you're only leaving the things that people look down on Bethesda 4, which is the technical aspects of a game. So they basically decided to make a game with all of their weaknesses. It would be like if Nintendo decided to... like Nintendo was rumored to make this multiplayer Zelda game, and I'm like, that's what they're the weakest at. I don't want them to make a multiplayer Zelda game. Make a good Zelda game that's that speaks to your strengths as opposed to not just like... You shouldn't avoid your weaknesses, but you shouldn't barrel into them either. And like only focus on only utilize your weaknesses. It's just it's it's weird. It was very a very very bad experience. What is zero out of ten? Zero out of ten. Will not. Jack, recommend. you played some good things this week though. What else? I did. did I just played. I got a couple more things to briefly mention. Uh, Destiny two. The Guardian Games event is over. The Titans fucking won. Ooh, ooh. I just dabbed in real life. I'm so youthful. <laughs> I also just farted. Um. So yeah, Destiny two was great. We played some more strikes and shit. It's always it's the it's the same old fun, and I will never stop loving that game. The Order eighteen eighty six, however, is something I also started playing this week. After uh, it's our barf game, our backlog accomplishment with respawn and friends. So everyone in May should be playing that game. Um, we're going to talk about it at the end of the month. Alex has already sent in his thoughts on the game. So if you are playing it, please tell us about your thoughts. If you've played it in the past but are not playing it this month, please also tell us your thoughts on it. Um. What was it against? Oh, yeah. So it's, it turns out it's like a six-hour platinum trophy. 
And so I'm going through again, and I'm playing it again, and I'm 100% just going through and getting the Platinum Trophy. But I forgot how gorgeous this game is. And the first time I played it, it didn't have a photo mode, but now it does have a photo mode. And it's not going to be a six-hour Platinum anymore. It's going to be a much longer Platinum because I'm going to stop and take photos all the time. There's a danger in that, though, because it's an online game. So you could go into photo mode and then... No, it's not. Destiny... Oh! Order 1886. I was on on Destiny for a second still, and I'm like, wait, that doesn't make sense. Oh, you silly bandito. I'm I'm an idiot. I'm a moron. Don't listen to me. I I got nothing worthwhile saying. Nothing worthwhile. And that's it. That's all I played this week. We're going to move on now to our fetch quests. This is where we talk about all the news stories of the week that uh, aren't necessarily full-fledged things that we want to mention, but they're, they're worth mentioning and maybe having a brief chat about. Starting with what the Golf Switch release date is May 21st, 2020, says Jenny Leda at Silicon Era. Everyone should play this game. If you have an Apple Absolutely. device, subscribe to Apple Arcade for a month for free, <clears throat> and then continue paying $4.99 if, if mobile gaming is your thing. But this game is so funny, and it is so, it's, it's like laugh out loud funny. It's great. And we can't tell you why. You just have to no, play it. you just have to play it. Uh, yeah. If you want to play it on your Switch, it is 20 bucks, but at launch, they're giving it for 25% off. It's also going to include co-op play, which is not something you get on the iOS version. Speaking of game only releases... Only local co-op, though. Right, no only co-op. Mind. I'm sorry, only couch co-op. Oh, fuck. I had a really funny casting couch thing that I was going to do during AAWI today, but I totally forgot. <laughs> My- <laughs> sorry. Uh, speaking of release dates... Uh, or new game announcements, Mafia Trilogy Remaster is unveiled with teaser trailer, says Dennis Patrick at Game Ranks. And by the time you're listening to this recorded, you will uh, already have the op- opportunity to go see a full announcement with the trailer. Uh, it's coming out on May 19th. Have you ever played a Mafia game? No, I'm curious to try one out, though. I've never played one either. I, like people talking about the story of mafia 3 and how it's like one of the greatest video game stories and the character blah, blah blah but then but then they also say but the gameplay loop is really boring and awful but the story is worth it i was like i don't i don't know sounds like a bethesda game to me <laughs> we also have another retailer listing hints at october as the ac valhalla release date it says brianna reeves at playstation lifestyle so originally a page showed october 15th as the release date which if history has anything to show, like it's going to be released in October or November. Uh, but that's since been edited to the typical placeholder of December 31st, 2020, which is what most retailers use for pre-orders and things like that. When it's just like, it'll be out before the end of the year. We promise. We just don't know when. That date sounds right, though. October does, 15th, yeah. not December. Yeah. December 31st. Yeah. That makes so much sense. Perfect timing. Just after Christmas. Yeah. I mean, everyone wants to go out on New Year's. Stores have abbreviated hours. <laughs> Speaking of abbreviated uh, hours, Resident Evil 3 was a short game this year. And Resident Evil 3 has also yes. sold over 2.5 million copies to date, says Chris Moyes at Destructoid. So it's it's got some some modest sales numbers to it. 2 million of that 2.5 were within the first week, meaning that about a month afterwards it sold 500,000. For comparison, RE2 Remake sold 3 million copies within the first four days of launch. Uh, obviously reviewed better. Actually, Resident Evil 3 got some really good reviews, but it also got some pretty bad reviews, too. Yeah. The consensus was pretty much uniform, though. Like, even people who really enjoyed it totally acknowledged that it was a shorter game than RE2 and didn't have the same replayability. So, like, even if someone saw a really positive review, they still might not get as high of an impression. Yeah. 
You can go and listen to our review discussion right here. I'm pointing up to a little banner. Just kidding. I'm not going to take the time to go back and find that and link it to this exact moment in the video, but just search it. (laughs) We also have the official Tomb Raider Animal Crossing QR codes and outfits have been shared by Crystal Dynamics, says Jenny Leda at Silicon Era. This is cool. I love seeing, like, uh, they've shared a a Lara Croft Tomb Raider outfit for for play in Animal Crossing. So it's like people are develop, creating and developing content for a Nintendo game that have nothing to do with Nintendo, which is really great. Um, it's specifically cool that it's Crystal Dynamics themselves doing it, as opposed right. to a Tomb Raider fan. That's the really cool part right. to me. Microsoft did something similar uh, kind of right at launch. They released like Xbox-themed shirts and stuff like that. For yeah, it. yeah. And there was one other thing. I can't remember the other game, but there was another game that was kind of similar to that where the developers released. I think that's really, really cool to see the developers all kind of embracing Mm -hmm. each other's games this ps4 has now eclipsed 110 million units sold says logan moore at dual shockers that is incredibly impressive i feel like it wasn't even a whole year ago when we were talking about it selling 100 million units and now it's at 110 and if if ps5 comes out and they price drop the ps4 and ps4 pro this thing might become the best-selling console of all time Especially if we have a lot of cross-console games. I don't know. I don't know. They had a pretty... It would take a few years. They had a pretty significant drop-off in their sales from the previous year to the next year. So, like, this is... um, They sold 13 million consoles uh, in the uh, 2019 fiscal year. And then in 2018, the previous year, they sold 19. So they had a drop-off of 6 million. After the PS5 comes out, it shows me even bigger drop. So it's going to get close. I'm sure it'll be in, like, two or three... Um, I don't know. PS2 is gonna be really hard to beat though, because it had that DVD. It was also a DVD player. For yeah, so but they're only at like games. 150 million. They only have to sell <laughs> what a third or 50 percent more consoles than they've already <laughs> sold in order to beat it. I mean, it's possible if they started doing like hundred dollar PS4s and PS5 yeah. is like too expensive and people don't see the benefits of the SSD yet, and like there are factors that could absolutely work that way. But it would be a tough sell. Not that Sony would complain about it at all. They would love to occupy <laughs> the top two spots, right? Yeah. Uh, Clubhouse Games 51 Worldwide Classics will also receive a free version for multiplayer, says Ryan Craddock at Nintendo. <laughs> I took some pre-workout. <laughs> I took some pre-workout before the podcast today because I accidentally fell asleep, and you'll see why whenever we get to Game on Game Show. It's, it is it is another flesh it out because I fell asleep for an hour instead of doing work. <laughs> so I took some pre-workout to wake up, and now it's really it's starting to kick life. in. Starting to kick in. Woo! Um, yeah, so that the game that they showed off at the Direct a couple months ago has, like, pool and backgammon and a, a bunch of other games, like card games and shit like that. Coming out on Switch um, is going to have multiplayer ability. Sorry, from the sound of this, it's going to have multiplayer even if only one person owns the game. Yeah, but only for local. Right, not like for ad hoc Wi-Fi, not, like, yeah. playing online with others. Which I was a little disappointed because when I saw like, oh, you they there's a free version for multiplayer. I was kind of hoping we could do this for a game night game because this is a Nintendo game. It would totally fit into Nintendo night. And I think it'd be kind of cool. Like we can just do a different like board game or like, whatever kind of game you want to play. Like I think it'd be fun. But I don't know if people are gonna want to buy Clubhouse Games Fifty One. I'm buying it. I I I want to play it. Do it. Do it, you coward. <laughs> um, what else am I gonna play this year? <laughs> Games that you should play if you haven't already. Respawn Head says that there's no Titanfall game um, currently in development, but they say that it's always there. It says Chris Carter at Destructoid. 
Titan, that's a kind of a shame because Titanfall 2, we played as a barf game last year, and it was surprisingly one of my favorite <clears throat> games that I played that year. And it's just Absolutely, excellent yeah. first person shooter campaign, a really wonderful mm-hmm. multiplayer uh, experience. And I would go as far as to say that that might be the game that got me into online multiplayer. Like, I've never been an online multiplayer person, I but I feel like that was the first one. It was last July. Mm-hmm. Before we did Siege, before we did Destiny, before we did Warbone. Yeah. I'm here's the, the silver lining to this is, do you think this makes it more, potential silver lining, do you think this makes it more likely that we'll see Titans and Apex Legends? Because that could be cool. I don't think so. I think they're keeping those, pro- while they are in a shared world, I think they're still keeping those properties distanced. In, in case they want to do a Titanfall 3 and on PS6. Yeah, and then people are going to be like, well, why would I get Titanfall 3 when I can play with Titans and Apex for free? Yeah, I'm... I don't know. I know we weren't going to talk long about this, but I just I, I have to share that I'm, I'm really disappointed to hear this because, like like you, like Titanfall 2's campaign was, was incredible. I think the same thing. It, it there are so many memorable moments in that, in so many great levels in that campaign. It, it just that alone. I mean, the amazing multiplayer aside, like that alone, it's such a shame other more people didn't play it because we play a lot of games with Barf that aren't even that old, and you can still kind of feel how they're dated. It it's not very often that I've played a game for Barf. Actually, this might be the only time I played a game for Barf, and really thought I played something really unique and special maybe undertale would fit undertale would definitely fit into that I mean, not, not maybe undertale definitely fit into that too but um yeah like it's just it's such a unique experience that more people need to play like people have to play this game it's not even like a niche like oh like our sophisticated we play so many games like gamer palettes <laughs> like that's why we enjoy it like no like i think this is a game that can speak to anyone who likes first person shooters anybody so good anyway we can move on now cool um, Remedy Entertainment is bringing Alan Wake to Xbox Game Pass from Dennis Patrick at Game Ranks. I'm very excited about this. Obviously, Remedy made Control. Control's final story DLC, uh, it seems, will explain the ending of Alan Wake, which I've never played Alan Wake before because I didn't have an Xbox. Um, so I'm very excited to play this, mostly because of the context in relation to Control, which was my game of the year last year, and I think everyone should play, and none of you did, and you're all assholes. And that that's coming. Me, I'm an asshole. <laughs> you are an asshole. <laughs> I tweeted last week. Last week I was just thinking about Control again and how good it was. And I just tweeted, some of you haven't played Control and it shows. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for Alan Wake to come out on Game Pass. I've always wanted to play it. It will 100% be on Barf for June because I'll be putting that list together pretty short. Mm. Actually, I should, I should post that list this week. Yes, it is, it is beyond due. Yeah. I should post that after we record. That's no, post it right now. I don't want you to speak for the next 12 minutes. <laughs> That's coming uh, on May 21st. On I've also never like asked the audience be like, can we please pick this one? Because I really, 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 really want to play this as a barf game and like have a discussion about it and really want to do that. But I'm saying it. I would really love this to be the barf game. I'm like, I've never put in like my endorsement for one before, but I have I gotta do Just it. Just put I in a bunch of game. horse shit against it. <laughs> 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 Just like Fallout 76. Or that's not a that's Alan a bad, bad idea. No, then people are gonna I'll, just Fallout seventy six and we have to play Fallout seventy six. I hate it. <laughs> but how much of it do we have to play? There's nothing to do in the game. <laughs> You're right. You're true. You're true. Yeah. Our last fetch quest <laughs> is that Sony creates new PlayStation Studios brand for its first party games from Brett Makadonsky at Destructoid. Um, the fact that this exists, I think, is a really really great branding strategy. 
it, it's a, a new intro, like a cinematic intro that plays before every single first-party game so people understand this is made by PlayStation. You know kind of the quality you're getting into. And I feel like that's something that was lacking before. When people play something from Ready at Dawn or they play something from Japan Studio, they might not associate that with PlayStation first studio, first party. So having it's this also, is really cool. Good. Yeah. Um, it's also very forward-thinking, I think. As we've seen them make some games that are coming to PC now. Yeah. Like having you start up Death Stranding or Horizon Zero Dawn and it says like PlayStation Studios before you open up that game, like will mean more on PC than I think it will mean on PlayStation. But even on PlayStation, there are people who buy God of War who have no idea that's a first party game. It's right. just God of War. Like that's why they bought it. So that's definitely a good move. Yep. As for the video itself, like the actual intro itself, yeah, it's a ripoff of Marvel. But so Absolutely. is Xboxes. And people are like, oh my god, yeah. Sony's ripping off Xbox. No, Xbox <laughs> yep. fucking ripped off Marvel, you guys. Marvel has an epic intro, and everybody else is just jumping on the bandwagon. Yeah, okay, just like, this is a uh, foreshadowing future discussions. The console war bullshit this week has, I feel like, escalated oh, tenfold. Man. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, we'll get into that with our main quest. Oh yes. <laughs> Let's move on. To our Sony Quest log. Sony has been showing off Ghost of Tsushima for several years now, but we finally have but we have yet to see what the game will be like moment to moment. And that changed with their latest state of play this week, which focuses entirely on Ghost of Tsushima gameplay. We've got a couple of uh, kind of talking points about the video we'll run down real quick, and then let's talk about just general impressions of what you're excited for, what you're not excited for. Mm-hmm. Uh, this comes from PlayStation itself on YouTube and the Ghost of Tsushima state of play. Uh, we learned about the exploration of the game. There's going to be uh, a lot of that, it looks like. It's going to be very much self-motivated and self-paced. Not a lot of quest markers. You'll be led to where you need to go by the wind and foxes. Oh, I love that. Birds. They're going to point to things that you should be looking at rather than having a traditional map. Um, we saw some gameplay. There's Jin the Samurai. Map. Sorry, yes, you have a map. map. Yeah. Yes, you have a map. You are Dora. You just have to reach in your backpack. It's not just on your screen. <laughs> you have to sing the map song though, in order to open up the map. <laughs> yeah, that's what the microphone of the PS5 controller is for. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> um, so Jin, there are two Jin. Jin is your main, your ghost of Tsushima, uh, and you have a samurai and a ghost version of Jin. And by that, I mean it's the same guy, just two different fighting styles. There's Jin the samurai, uh, and this is daytime combat. You will. There, they showed a scene where like you're facing off with a samurai from afar, and they are like, you have to like engage them in combat, and then you decide, and you're kind of facing off, and who's going to go first. Um, so showdowns are a big part of that. It looks very, very much like a slower paced, um, like a slower paced parry like combat uh, counter system as well. It's not a, like a hack and slash. They did show a little bit no. of hack and slash in there. But it doesn't look like that's the, the way they're encouraging you to play this at all. It, it seems methodical. Like, you need to think yes. about what you're doing. It's You don't just jam X or s- repeatedly tap X. You just just push X down. and Just push it really just, hard. Break the circuit board. And keep it held down there. I mean cross. Damn it. Not X. Cross. <laughs> it's the cross button. So you have that kind of gameplay in the daytime. And then you have Jin the ghost, which is your alternate personality at night when you dress up like a cat. <laughs> you go out and just get wasted. <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> That's a good fun game. I would play that. Just dress up that as a mission sexy Red cat. Dead 2 where you get drunk was super fun. I would play a whole game of that taking place in the world that goes to Tsushima. You have to follow the wind while you're drunk to like get back yeah, to your apartment. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so 
the ghost version of Jin is much more stealth focused. So it's all about taking out enemies, distracting them with noisemakers and things like that. Uh, you have throwing knives, it looks like. So there's two different styles of gameplay that you're going to be playing with. You can customize Jin with charms that are kind of like perks. Uh, you have different outfits that have different abilities. This showed off a really great photo mode. You know I love me a good photo yes. mode. Ooh, yeah, this one, not only does it allow you to do things like change depth of field and put on filters and camera position and things like that, but it also keeps certain parts of the image animated, like the wind blowing through the grass or flower petals in the air. And you can change, are there flower petals in the air? Are there butterflies in the air? So you can change all sorts of parts about it. You can take a video as you like slowly cinematically pan the camera. Oh God, it looks so good. I can't wait to get lost in that. You can also, yeah, you can add titles and graphics and music to it. Um, love it. The animated, like, GIF version, like, little video, like, looping video, those look so fucking gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like this is going to inspire some additions to photo modes in other games, because it's definitely taking it to the next level. I would love if you could then take these and make them dynamic wallpapers. On your PS4. Ooh, that's a good idea. Hashtag PlayStation.com slash feedback. And then like uh, two other things just about like gameplay type things or, or logistics in gameplay. There will be Japanese voice acting with English subtitles available from the very beginning before you even get to your first cutscene, which is cool. That's probably how, I'll ex- how I will experience the game. And then, hearkening back to traditional samurai cinema, you have the option for this really cool black and white filter over it so that you are feeling like you're playing your favorite samurai movies as well. Holden, we saw about, what, 20 minutes of gameplay here. Does this get you more excited? Does this make you less excited for Ghost of Tsushima? Elaborate. I won't elaborate. I'll just say I'm way, way, way more excited. And that's it. We're done talking. Mm. I'm just kidding. I'm going to share. I am way more excited about this. I, it's like, I'm at this point now where I'm like, I am equally excited for this as I am Last of Us Part 2 for different reasons. Whoa. And you were not excited about this game beforehand. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't not excited for it. I was just kind of like, yeah, like it looks like a open world game made by Sucker Punch. Okay. But this is the first game since Breath of the Wild that really seems to capture that like open-air concept of... I, I mean, I don't know if the game's non-linear or not, but I got the impression that it is a non-linear game of kind of going around this map and exploring it and kind of unraveling the stories you do so. Um, it's a lot of moments where I really was reminded of Breath of the Wild, but just taken to this like next level, where I think about Hyrule and Breath of the Wild, how it's... You're, navigating this world that's in this very specific state of Ganon having taken over and in this it's this very specific state of the Mongols having taken over and you're living in that world so it just seems to be like a really good balance between good world design in its visuals and how you navigate around it and also the lore to give you many reasons to want to explore and learn about this this world but like the gust of wind Another thing I think is going to be picked up in other games. That's really brilliant and can work in basically any video game. But it specifically makes so much sense in this world that they've developed. And seeing the wind flowing through the the grass, it's oh, it's just so fucking gorgeous. Like there is that point where he's um, Jin is standing on the side of a mountain. He's looking out and you see the the stacks of uh, the columns of smoke and like different landmarks, the yellow um, uh, the yellow uh, leaves in the forest and in like the west or whatever. And it just I'm like I want to go there. I want to go there right now and and see what it's like. And I just I felt like I want to explore that world already. 
that that got me so 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 hyped. The other stuff of the combat looks really good. It doesn't necessarily wow me the way the same way the exploration did, but I think that's just because the exploration hit what I am looking for in an open world game so perfectly that I, I'm blown away. I cannot wait to play this game. I'm so pumped. Um yeah, I'm, I'm, you you yeah. mentioned the the win mechanics. I mean, you're excited about, and that you said it's so easy <laughs> for other games to adapt, adopt. And I yeah. want to see a version of Rainbow Six Siege where there's a person who has a perk where they're just sitting in the corner, and just a gust of wind comes through the house, and you're like, oh, that's where the enemy is because the gust of wind blew me right to them. <laughs> or like, where's the bomb? And like, there's a little gust of wind that like flows to the bomb through the building. <laughs> and, yeah. <laughs> Good call out. I guess I bet like <laughs> open world games it would work best in. I don't need like Super Mario Bros. Eight or whatever the next one's gonna be called um, to have like a gust of wind navigating through a two D level for me. That wouldn't exactly work. Or Hollow Knight wouldn't work with it. But yeah, I know what you mean. Open world games it would work. Yeah, I saw this and I now I was not super hyped for this game going into going into the state of play. We've seen a lot of like concept art or concept trailers or like things that kind of give us an idea for the themes that we might see in this but really nothing super story heavy nothing about gameplay and i was like i don't really know what i'm going to be playing in july when this comes out uh after seeing this i now have a much better idea of the gameplay i it looks like it's going to be fun for me and so i'm like good I'm, I will have a good time playing this game. I feel confident I will have a good time playing this game. I don't feel like ecstatic out of my pants for it. Um, which I didn't really expect to, but I love Soccer Punch. I have fun with their games. And the thing that kind of gets me is that some of the, some of the story stuff, and by some of the story stuff, I mean there's an absence of story stuff. Like I don't know much about Jin or why I should care about Jin or what's going on in the world and why I should care about it and why I should feel the need to explore. So that's something that I'm cautiously optimistic about, given Sucker Punch's history and it being a Sony first first party. I'm just going to trust it and and jump right in. For me, I expect this to land somewhere around uh, like a days gone maybe where like i have fun with it for like 20 to 25 hours but i don't know if i'll end up finishing it um just like i did with days gone i don't know i'm let's just say i am now feeling confident in buying in day one whereas before i was like i'm gonna buy it because it's a sony first party game but i'm not necessarily sure i'm gonna enjoy it but now i'm just like yeah i think i'm gonna have fun with it i just don't know if i'm gonna finish it or whether mm -hmm. i'm gonna care enough about it yeah i think if i had just seen the combat stuff i would have felt the same way because the combat stuff looks fine Mm -hmm. I I was there were some things I was a little confused about like they show daytime specifically for Winter the Samurai and nighttime when you're specifically the ghost does the time of day dictate how you have to approach situations like if you, you can't really be the ghost at day because the enemies will see you more easily like something like that maybe but they I don't really or can I just go guns a blazing or I guess knives a blazing when at nighttime, I just run into that Mongol camp and just go nuts like I did well, they, in the daytime. In the they mentioned like, being who, able to I, swap out your equipment on the fly so that you might be able yeah. to put on something that makes you better for samurai combat, even though it might be nighttime. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I assume maybe you can, but yeah. Maybe, yeah. And there's another thing, too. They said, and I, I'm not sure if there's a story beat or if they're hinting at a feature. I'm going to assume it was a story beat, but they said the dishonorable ghost. And they also kind of talked about the ghost as like, oh, you're 
you're doing things you wouldn't be doing as the samurai. Like it's almost as if like they're going back holy honorable dishonorable. Is that going to be like a paragon system in the game where like people in the world react to you differently? Like I think it's just a story thing and she's a dishonorable ghost because that's uh, considered story-wise a dishonorable thing to not be a true samurai and to face your opponent honorably. Yeah. Um but I wasn't sure. Like there's a few things I have questions about still. Um but overall like I'm just I'm so pumped. So 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 yeah. pumped. Yeah. I don't know if I if I don't know if I can see the dishonorable thing being like a reputation type system because the whole point of it is that you're being stealthy so no one knows that you're there and no one knows that you're doing dishonorable things. But someone in the one of the shows before had referred to Jin and said, oh, you are the ghost or something like that. So people are aware that there is this ghost character. I think they were talking about Jon Snow's wolf. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very, very likely. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Tell us about what you thought about the game. Now we're going to move on to our Nintendo Quest log. After rumors of June's Nintendo Direct getting delayed, it seemed likely we wouldn't hear anything from Nintendo for a while. However, we had a surprise trailer dropping on Thursday, this past Thursday, and it was for Paper Mario, the Origami King, announcement trailer from Nintendo Switch on Nintendo, on YouTube, coming July 17th. Um, Holden, this is a new Paper Mario game. It is origami-themed, mm -hmm. which fits well with the, the paper theme of Paper Mario. Um, does this excite you? Does this get you a little peen twinging? <laughs> I've never played Paper Mario before. Mm -hmm. I know their reputation has faltered uh, over the past few releases. Um, so I think it looks good. I think it looks funny and charming. I'm going to wait and see how the reviews look to determine if I'm going to buy this or not. Because this is coming out the same day as Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah, July 17th. Which also, their trailers debuted on the same day as well, which is kind of funny. Did they? Yeah. They're, uh, the, well, not the, the demo, at least. Not Goshima's initial announcement, but right, the demo right, right, and the right, trailer right. were the same day. Yeah, And they're coming out the same day. It's weird. I'm excited for it. I really like the art style of this. It looks really cool. Absolutely. Seeing, like yeah. the origami peach talking and shit like that. Like, it, it looks like a cool concept for a game. The combat looks interesting. There's going to be battles. Like, it looks like the combat battle system all takes place on this ring, from what I could tell from the trailer. And kind of what was in the press release afterwards. And it's all ring based, and the rings, there are different concentric rings, and they're all switching, and then you have to like line up enemies on them and do attacks. Um, makes it, it kind of makes it to me seem like it's RPG combat that you would expect from early Paper Mario, mixed with a little bit of the strategy that you might use in something like uh, Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle, which I really, really enjoyed mm -hmm. as well. So kind of marrying those two elements sounds like it could be fun. It's also been a long time since I played a Mario RPG type game. Um, aside from Super Mario RPG that we played for Barf a while ago. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited and hopeful that this could be good. Again, just like you, I'm going to wait and see how the reviews are because traditionally more recent Paper Mario games have not been that great. Mm -hmm. But I'm glad they're taking another crack at it, and it looks like it could be a winner for me. Yeah, I'm more confident in it than not, I would say, just because on the Switch, Nintendo has pretty much hit a perfect game in terms of every release that is from Nintendo seems to be a very good game. I think the only exception I can think of, and even then, like not everyone's gonna agree with me here, is Super Mario Aces or Mario Tennis Aces. Oh yeah, which I didn't care for that much, but a lot of people liked. So I think that just might be me. Yeah. Might be us. A couple of extra things about the game: Paper Mario, the Origami King, more screenshots and looks at partners. Says Alastair Wong at Silicon Era. There's going to be Mario will travel outside of Mushroom Kingdom and go to different areas such as the sea and an Arabian city. Surprise! In a Mario game, you're going to a desert place and a water place. 
<laughs> Each area will also have its own partner character that's going to help Mario out on his adventures and in battle. Uh, and then the battle system will include puzzle-like elements such as lining up enemies, as we kind of just talked about on that ring. So I'm excited. Hope it's good. Yeah. Good for Nintendo. Yeah. Yeah. Good for Nintendo. Good for Nintendo. <laughs> Speaking of Nintendo, it's always been a mysterious little company. But perhaps one of their biggest kept secrets is public knowledge. Is still public knowledge. Nintendo's quality of life project pops up yet again in new patent, says Brian, sorry, Ryan Craddock from Nintendo Life. Holden, I'm going to let you read these how you choose to read these because much of them is redundant in, and I don't know how you want to best succinctly say it. <laughs> um, so basically, yeah, I have the full patent. Well, not the full patent, but I have like quotes from the patent in front of me right here basically what it's doing is there's a base device you're going to keep on your bed next to you and then i guess you're going to be putting they see it's a mobile terminal i think they mean that you're going to put your smartphone on there much like a like a wireless charger kind of you just kind of place your phone on it and then from there it says that the base device is installed in the user's home, whereas the mobile terminal is fully portable. The base device can also charge the mobile terminal when connected with communication between both mobile and base device and also be performed by the communication method via a network such as LAN or the internet. So you're going to communicate to each other, basically. You're going yeah. to have your you're gonna phone have a dock you're going to have this like, base device. Yeah, and something that goes where they only go, and they sync. Yes. The base device also has a projector that projects an image on a wall surface, including a ceiling or a screen. Such images could be uh, could prompt um, the user to fall asleep or wake up or to display an image that shows the sleep evaluation result when the user wakes up in the morning. And then the last one here is further. The base device also includes a camera, speaker and control unit. The control unit has a CPU and memory and can also transmit the information detected by the Doppler sensor to the mobile terminal. Oh, I forgot to mention the Doppler sensor. It's tracking what you're doing while you're sleeping. To, and this isn't actually necessarily new. Like there are devices that do this. There are devices right. you can buy right now that you put in your bedside and they track your sleeping. Um, I, I'm so I, I. It's been years that we've been aware of this project, which is why like I said like it's it's public knowledge, but it's also a mystery. We all know they're doing this project, but absolutely no one outside of Nintendo knows what the hell it's even for. We at least know Pokemon Sleep has nothing to do with this. Yeah. But like I, I'm so confused. Like, is this a console that they're working on where it's like. In, involves or what I'm thinking actually is it going to be like in the 3DS you had your coins right where if you kept your 3DS in your pocket you walked around you got coins you use those coins to benefit you in your games is it going to be like hey we're going to encourage you to sleep better at night and not staying up late pay, playing video games knowing that like when you wake up and you get like eight or eight hours of sleep it's going to benefit you in Breath of the Wild because we're going to give you 30 arrows if you get eight hours of sleep and then when you open up Mario you're gonna have a, a three extra one-ups like you know is it something like that i guess i just don't see the application for this does it tie into nintendo services or is this a, its own unique separate thing i just don't see this tying into video games uh at all i think this is something completely different and it, it's something that i honestly don't think we'll ever see the light of day we see companies have patents for things all the time that never actually come out most recently there was the one from sony not playstation but sony about like the AI buddy that would like talk to you, and if you don't talk to it, yeah, then it gets yeah. like upset and things like that. And it's like those are the kind of things that companies I think are just making patents for, just in case AI gets to be that kind of way. And this is the same idea to me, at least. Where it's like we just want to make sure that if anyone comes up and tries to do this kind of thing, we've got the patent for it. And just like the vitality sensor, it's like this would be cool, and there are some gameplay like things that we could use with it, but I don't think this will ever come out. 
he, all right, if if I don't think that the the patent for the I know we were going out with the patent with the AI buddy. Totally, see we were going with that. I think that the difference is that I didn't hear about that AI patent five years ago, and I've continued to hear about that AI buddy patent almost every year and have Sony commenting on it and saying, no, we're still working on the AI buddy. Don't worry. Like we're still like they brought, they bring this up in financial meetings. Like, yes, we're still working on our quality of life initiative. We can't talk about what it is right now, but it's not related to Pokemon sleep. You know, you'll like, I don't think they'd be talking like that if they didn't have this plan to release it at some point, they're clearly dedicating, I mean, years of development into this project. And I think to go to your point of like it's not related to video games at all, I think the best thing that supports that is that Nintendo's been around for 130 years and they've not just been a video game company. Actually, most of their history is not being a video game company. So there's totally a possibility that they just have this different avenue and this is their next thing after video games. So we'll all wonder, like, oh my god, remember when Nintendo was a video game company? Now it just helps you sleep at night. Like, I don't know. <laughs> How depressing would that be? Like, Oh, they make so such amazing upset. video games that now they just like make a sleep tracker. The only way I'd be happy with it is Nintendo said like we are abandoning video games altogether because we have this quality of life sleep app we're going <laughs> to have you use, and that's our future for everything. Is if I could, they could control my dreams and I could like play Breath of the Wild <gasps> in my dreams. No, and like the horsepower of me. the and the and the hardware of the processor is your brain horsepower photorealistic graphics using amiibo to make a pona better horsepower. <laughs> You gotta sleep with like Epona taped to your head. Yes, <laughs> the whole night like that amiibo. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Let's move on to our third party quest log. In the wake of COVID, many gaming related events have been postponed or canceled or transformed into digital showcases, and in some cases, we've gotten all new events like IGN Summer of Games and Summer Games Fest from Jeff Keighley. But this week, the trend continues with a Comic Con update and two whole new events. First being San Diego Comic Con. San Diego Comic-Con's Comic-Con at Home announced, says Jenny Leda at Silicon Era. Uh, they had originally announced that this was going to be canceled. It was just straight up canceled. And now there's this brand new event called Comic-Con at Home that's been revealed. Not a whole lot of details um, right now of what that means. But that's exciting. And perhaps we'll see something fun that everyone can partake in. And rather than having just like Marvel and Hall H that only a few people get to see a clip of, maybe we'll all get to see that kind of stuff. And that'd be cool. I've always hated when they do that. Like, oh, we're showing this new footage of like James Cameron's Avatar Two. Don't you want to see it? You had you had to show up to Comic Con. It's not worth us showing it to anyone else. I've always hated that. So I really hope that's that's the case here. Hold on, um, you put a link in here, and you said for some <laughs> reason Comic Con at home reminds me of this meme, and I clicked on it. And the first thing that shows up is the black guy with the giant penis sitting on the bed. <laughs> Why does that remind you of that? <laughs> To clarify, that is not what I liked Chad 2. What I liked Chad 2 was the, um, this, um, mom says we have this at home meme. What's it called? Let me open up the link again. Um, basically the meme format is, But like, the first thing that loaded on that page was a sidebar ad with the giant Oh my god, you're right, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's Wood Sitting on a Bed is the name of the, is the name of the meme. <laughs> That's really funny. So... The it's we have food at home is the name of the meme. So basically, how it works and how I recognize it more is: let's say you asked your mom, like, "Hey, mom, you're a kid. Hey, mom, I really want to get um, Fallout Seven or Fallout uh, Four. And she's like, "We have Fallout Four at home, and there's a picture of Fallout Four at home, and it's Fallout Seventy Six. Mm. Like, I don't want to play that version. Like, that's the meme. And every time I think of like Comic Con at home, I just think like we have Comic Con at home, and it's <laughs> it's 
<laughs> Every got time. It, got it's it. It's stupid. It. It's not funny. I just find it funny because I'm stupid. Guerrilla Collective brings together some of the hottest indie studios for a big event, says Ricky Fretch. Cool name at Dual Shockers. Uh, so in partnership with Greg Miller of Kind of Funny and Media Indie Exchange, the Guerrilla Collective will be gathering indie developers for a three-day event from June 6th to 8th. That's the week that that's the week before E3 was supposed to be. No, two weeks before. I don't know. Time is a flat circle. It's the week before. One week before. The event will include Raw Fury, Rebellion, ZA slash UM, which I have no idea what that even is. Paradox that's Interactive. That's cool, developer. Gotcha. 11-bit studios and many more with Guerrilla Collective seeking out more indies to include. This is going to be really cool. Another indie-focused event. Um, oh, yeah. So they can get some some limelight during that big press period that they traditionally is, I, will miss out on. The kind of funny uh, indie showcase last year was pretty successful, I think. Yeah, in fact, they, remember did, the it, they did it again. They did a second one. That's uh, right. Like There's going to be another later. one in the E3 time frame as well, aren't they? I think they're not doing it in lieu of this. In, okay, that's what I was just... I just realized that. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And then next up, we have one more. Ubisoft announces a new Direct-like presentation with exciting reveals, says Chris Carter at Destructoid. This will be called Ubisoft Forward, and it will premiere on July 12th at 12 p.m. Uh, Pacific time, and promises to be an E3-style showcase with exclusive game news, exciting reveals, and plenty more. This one's really interesting to me because we have there's a fifth Ubisoft game. They mentioned there are going to be five games coming out before March 31st, 2021. And they're going to be cross-gen, and we know four of them. And there's one still that's a mystery. So I'm really excited to figure out what that might be, whether it's Prince of Persia or Splinter Cell or Rayman. Mario Rabbids 2. Or Mario. Something I'd 100% be down for Mario Rabbids 2. I would too, but if they said it's a cross-gen game, it's probably not Mario Rabbids. Oh, yeah, you're true. Like you're true, Kai. You're true. Unless the Switch 3 is coming out, and they're just skipping 2 and going right to 3. I don't know why I said 3, <laughs> but Switch 3 is coming out. <laughs> Oh, because Boost 2 already exists, and we can't have a sequel to that. With Ubisoft, I don't know, that made no sense. With Ubisoft, <laughs> Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo all capable of handling their own digital events without the ESA's E3, and this past week with lots of exciting announcements possible because of random events and new events like Summer Games Fest, is this proof that E3 doesn't have a place anymore, Holden? I kind of think so. Like, thinking about how awesome this week was, and we'll talk about the coolest announcement later on, the Unreal Engine 5 stuff, but like we had Unreal Engine 5, we had Paper, um, Paper Mario, Origami King, we had Ghost of Tsushima, and then we had uh, also coming up is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 Plus 2 Remaster. Like, that's an awesome week of video game announcements. And they all got more attention. I think that like Tony Hawk fans all got to enjoy that game more because it wasn't buried by. 50 other games that were announced. Like, I feel like Tony Hawk would have been, maybe it's because this is, I've never played Tony Hawk before, but I feel like that wouldn't have been a big announcement at E3 compared to how big of an announcement it was this week, even up against the Unreal Engine. So I think that like it's so much better for the developers. I think we all get to appreciate the announcements more. This is so much, like if this week is, a, is any sort of example of what we, our standard of what we can expect for the summer in terms of the number of announcements per week, absolutely, E3's done. I, I don't, want E3 anymore. I'm going to play devil's advocate here and say this was a cool week, but it was exhausting, and I don't know if I can keep up for the rest of the summer. It, because it is it is now, to me, because of all the things between Summer Game Fest and Tony Hawk and, and the Nintendo reveal and Ghost of Tsushima State of Play, having this all happen over the next two and a half months, it was a part-time job keeping up with, all right, what's coming out on what day? What time do I need to tune in? And then when I do tune in, I don't know what I'm expecting, and it turns out it's a, 
oh, it's a 45-minute talk about Tony Hawk Pro Skater, which is really cool. I'm really into it. But I feel like that would have been a two-minute, three-minute discussion during E3, and now it's a 45-minute thing that I'm anticipating and getting really excited about. And if it's not something I care about, then mm. suddenly I've built up a bunch of hype for something that I don't care about, and now it's a 45-minute thing. Whereas before, I'm watching an E3 press conference, and if it's something I don't care about, I know in three minutes there will be something else that I might care about. So I'm, Do you th- I, I, what I'm trying to say is that I built up a lot of hype for these things, and mm. I don't know if I can sustain that. And there's no way they can sustain the A-plus content that they did this week over the entire summer. Some of it's going to be teasing Summer Game Fest announcement at 11 a.m. on Thursday, and you tune in, and it's like some ho-hokum shit that we don't care about. And it's like, oh, God, I just got so hyped for that thing, and now I'm totally let down. So I'm, I'm I concerned. I hadn't thought about that aspect to it, which is we, no one knew what the Unreal 5 announcement was going to be until it started happening. Do you think it'd be better if they said, hey, we're going to be announcing a game from this studio or something like that to not necessarily say exactly what it's going to be? Yeah. Or even do what they do with like Assassin's Creed and say, like, hey, we're announcing Assassin's Creed Valhalla next week. And then next week we get the reveal. Like Mafia 3 did that. Like, Do you think that would work better for you if they kept the release cadence yes. but did something like that? Rather than having five or six different events every single week for two and a half months and I don't know what's coming at any of them and I don't know which ones to be excited for and which ones to like temper my mm-hmm. expectations for I would love to have some idea ahead of time of what I'm getting into yeah because this could ramp up as well yeah. IGN Summer Gaming hasn't started yet we're still going to get like the digital showcases from you know I'm assuming Sony will have something in the summer for something yep I don't yeah uh, Microsoft well they're, they're participating have once in per month. Summer Game Fest as well Oh, that's right. They are. Um, also, like Nintendo, I'm, I'm sure we'll have something at, at some point later on in the summer, even if they don't do something in June. Mm-hmm. Um, you're still going to have Devolver Digital. Like, you're still going to have those events. They could even ramp up. Yeah. And I'm, I, I, this week I was already exhausted. And like we had the group text going and things. And somebody was like, oh, fuck, I totally forgot that was even right now. And I tuned in halfway late to it and late to the conversations. It's, yeah. it's so much to keep up with. Whereas before, I used to just literally take a week off of work for E3. Mm-hmm. And just sit on my couch and watch it all and take it all just, in, discuss it, and then move on. Just take the summer off. Just take the whole summer <laughs> there off. There you go. Take the whole summer off. Yeah. I need to take a sabbatical. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I like there's a ton of cool stuff and there's so many opportunities, but uh, I need someone to rein it in and tell me what to care about. But Square Enix has said, you know what, Chad? You stay, you stay exactly where you are. Don't worry. We're not going to bother your little head with some kind of pre- uh, press conference. Or like, we're not going to come out with an E3 like briefing. Says Jenny later at Central Konera. Uh, Ta- Takashi Mochizuki of Bloomberg tweeted: Square Enix sold. <laughs> Jesus, Michael Christ. Square Enix said it won't hold online event to unveil this fiscal year's new releases around E3's timing because making assets ready for such show has become difficult due to COVID nineteen. Instead, it will announce new titles on an individual basis. I feel like that means that they're going to have low-key things and they're not going to have like some kind of big flashy thing that everyone has to look forward to and then get excited about and then be disappointed yeah. in. Whew. I think another takeaway from it too is that it's almost like I'm saying like just like that E3 model is tough for us. Yeah. And and it's much easier for us just to say, "Hey, hypothetical Final Fantasy 16 needs to needs to be our big announcement. Let's get the marketing team behind that like that one game right now." to create a showcase for that one game and get it out there. I think that a lot of companies are going to start moving away from 
having a bunch of announcements at once. And if E3 does come back, it'll probably be smaller if it does come back. I think yeah. just because companies are going to realize, like, especially since work-life balance is becoming a big conversation in the gaming industry, I think this will prove to be really beneficial to, towards that work-life balance challenge. I mean, making vertical slice demos for an entire lineup of games for one week, that's a lot of pressure, and it's time that gets taken away from game development. So I feel like even if E3 comes back, I mean, it's coming back next year. We just don't know how it's coming back, what it looks like. The individual announcements will probably reign supreme, I think. Yeah. Speaking of individual announcements, we've alluded to one already, but we're going to speak more about it. Tony Hawk Pro Skater fans haven't seen a good release for a very long time, and now there's good reason to believe that's changing, and that's with Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 Plus 2 Remaster coming to PS4, Xbox One, and PC on September 4th, 2020, says Sado at Silicon Era. If you ever played those first two games and you have any kind of fondness for them, you are going to love this. It is exactly the same game. They wanted to have the same feel. Uh, they went even so far as to say that the code, like the gameplay code underneath is the same so that it feels the same when you're skating. With hugely updated visuals. The Hugely. The, yeah. Amazing looking visuals. Love it. I love it. Like, why did they call this a remake instead of a remaster? Yeah. Like, it's completely it remade. Yeah. yeah. This is Remastered as much a remake like as... Yeah, this is Shadow of the Colossus remake. Although they called that a remaster yeah. too, didn't they? I think you just called it Shadow of the Colossus. Mm, you're probably true. Let me see. But yeah, all the original I'll, levels I'll will be there. All the same skaters, tricks. They're running... They're going to have um, all of the new tricks and things like that that they introduced in Sony Hawk Pro Skater 3 and later, but they're bringing them to uh, THPS 1 and 2, which is really cool. Uh, I have a ton of fond memories from that game on Xbox. I can't wait to freaking skate in that warehouse again, collect those VHS tapes. They will have all of the original skaters returning in a cool twist. They're also going to be, they scanned them in again, and obviously they're older now. And rather than de-aging them, they're just going to have the old version of the skaters, which is really cool. <laughs> um, the biggest thing that concerns me, however, about this game, and it might be a deal breaker for whether or not I buy it, is that... Spider-Man's probably not going to be in this game. <laughs> Maybe the only the PS4 version? Maybe, but see, like, the reason he was in the first one, and, and this is because Tony Hawk was under Activision, and Activision had the rights to Spider-Man games, and that's just not the case anymore. And, and that's why I, I played that game to do all the shit to unlock Spider-Man so that I could then skateboard as Spider-Man. Like, that was the allure of the game for me. And now I just don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It, it would it be cool if he was in there, but it was still a dope game to play anyway. So I I don't really care about Tony Hawk's Pro Skater that much. I don't have an opinion on it. I just like never played one. I don't really play sports games. I've kind of always lumped it into that sports game category that I just avoid like the plague. Play Tale Innocence. Apparently a great game. It was a great game. Yeah, Play Tale Innocence is yeah. really great. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I watched the trailer for this and I just, I actually had a really big smile on my face because just like, this looks like a really, really strong effort. This looks like something that's really going to make a lot of people really happy. And that was just kind of cool to see. Yeah. Like, this totally could have been like, yeah, we made Tony Hawk Pro Skater. It's like mildly better than Pro Skater 5. Have fun, everyone. Like they totally could have just up it or something like that. But it really looks like they put a ton of care and love into this. They even went to um, as far as trying to get. They have most of the original soundtrack back too. There was only like, I think they said five songs or something like that they couldn't get the rights to again. But yeah, they're yeah. trying to make 
they're trying to be as as loving and careful, not careful, but careful as they can about this game. <laughs> full of Which, care. Full of care. It's Very nice pumped. to see that kind of stuff. It is. Before we get into our main quest, I want to tell you about Affable Idiots. And Affable Idiots is the new brand under which all of our products, like this one, Respawn Aim Fire, and this one, AAWY, uh, we all live uh, under that new umbrella. So if you want to support us, we have a couple of ways that you can do that. First, it's free. Go to YouTube. We need your help. Obi-Wan, you're our only hope. Please go to YouTube. <laughs> subscribe to our channels. It's in the description of each episode. Click on the links. Hit subscribe. We need 100 of you to do it. We're like a fifth of the way there <laughs> so that we can get YouTube.com slash whatever we want to say. I think we need to make this a thing. If someone supports us on Patreon with a Patreon account named Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're the greatest person ever made. <laughs> <laughs> Grace was ever made. That's a weird way to put it. But yeah. Well, I mean, technically, you do make people. Yeah, you do. With like but human a soup that. and a little seed. <laughs> That's a uh, new euphemism for sperm I'm using now is human soup. You can also do us <laughs> more good than you know by leaving us a review on every podcast service that you listen to us on. Rate us five stars. If they don't rate stars, rate us five apples. If they don't rate in apples, then it's a terrible terrible podcast service and you should consider switching uh, but also leave us a little little words of affirmation in there make us feel good we read them it's great and then finally you can go to patreon.com slash respawn aim fire tons of benefits there like the ability to play on game night with us we've already talked about you can get killed by dallas on it <laughs> <laughs> or me or me or holden uh we also have the ability to influence what we play you get to vote in barf that poll is going up within the hour uh, so you can figure out what we play every single month. Speaking of, The Order 1886. I know we've mentioned it once already, but make sure you play that on PS4 for this month. We're going to talk about it at the end of the month. And then finally, you get dope wallpapers every single month, including Holden's beautiful Animal Crossing ones from April, which you can still go back and download, even though it's May. So I definitely encourage so beautiful. that. So beautiful. So beautiful. Be I sold one, by the way. Beautiful. I put an art gallery, and it sold for, for $10,000. It was unbelievable. It was beautiful. Just beautiful. That is unbelievable. <laughs> it, you know, I felt the same way <laughs> when it happened. I couldn't believe it was happening. Holden, let's move on to our main quest, which was maybe the most exciting thing that happened this week in oh, all absolutely. of everything. Maybe? Unreal Engine 5 was revealed, not just in the gaming space, but all of everything. Oh, all of everything. Absolutely. Yeah. Synonymous with every new console generation this century is a new version of Unreal Engine which gives insight into the capabilities of third-party and sometimes first-party development as well. So it goes without saying that the new next generation of consoles are being coupled with a new Unreal Engine, the Unreal Engine 5. So, we have a couple of stories here. We're going to talk about them one by one, and then we'll move on to the next one. So first, how Epic got such amazing Unreal 5 engine results on next-gen consoles, says Kyle Orland at Ars Technica. So Epic Games showed off their new, their new engine. They did so by showing two major aspects of it, the Lumen engine and the Nanite engine. Lumen, according to Epic, is, quote, a fully dynamic global illumination solution that immediately reacts to scene and light changes. Things they, were, they mentioned that, like, benefits you could see is that it gives you real-time uh, feedback. If you're moving a light source as a developer across the level, that light is moving in real time. You can see where it's going to be bouncing off of walls and around corners and things like that. And uh, it makes the kind of general concept behind all of these updates was it makes 
game development so much more efficient and faster and easier to do because you don't have to worry about programming individual light sources and what they are, how they're going to behave. It's just kind of global now. Uh, which I realized I just said most of the next bullet point here. Rather than developers needing to bake static lighting into their game world, which can take significant manpower and time, Lumen allows developers to drop light sources into the game world and then see the effects play out in real time. Tim Sweeney uh, of Epic Games says, quote, they wanted to empower developers here to make next-generation experiences that are unbelievably realistic, but also economical and practical to create without a thousand-person team. I'm going to briefly talk about the Nanite engine, and let's just talk about Unreal 5 as a concept, yeah. as uh, the demo mm -hmm. that they showed off. The Nanite engine was the second thing that they mentioned, and this was uh, basically an engine that runs in the background to automatically scale objects for you uh, in a way that makes it incredibly efficient memory-wise on the system and makes you only have to worry about creating one high-res asset and then not having to worry about what to do with it from there. So it allows developers to work with extremely high polygon count assets without having to worry about how that asset scales. 3D models and other engines require artists to make multiple versions of the same model to limit detail and memory allocation based on the player's distance to that model. For instance, you might take a really high-res version of that model and have that with a ton of polygons, a ton of triangles when you're up close and looking at it right in front of you. And then as you get further away or as it drifts off in the background, you might swap it out with a really low-res, ugly-looking model, but it doesn't matter because it's not up close to you. But you have to create each of those lower-resolution models, or especially if you're scaling down to less powerful hardware, you'll then have to create a version for PS4, a version for Switch, a version for iOS, or however many different consoles you support. With Nanite, artists can make one very high-quality model and then Unreal 5 handles the scaling for the developer. So, before we move on to any other type of discussion, those two items and the demo that they showed off with the woman going through like the little, um, it's not a crypt, what do you call that? Like the ruins and flying yeah, like ruins, down at the yeah. end. Like, Tell me about your experience watching that for the first time. Um, it was pretty mind-blowing. Um, it's technically not our first look at next gen because technically hellblade 2 was thrown off in december and that was next gen and but i think the reason this is a bigger deal is that this is something that third-party developers can utilize as opposed to something that's you know well i mean hellblade 2 is on unreal engine as well but that's a microsoft specific game this is something third parties are going to have and it it just looks unbelievably mind-blowing i mean i didn't i knew there's going to be a a big jump in the graphics just with everything we've heard about how much more powerful this CPUs and GPUs are and the benefits of the SSDs that we're going to have in Xbox and, uh, and PlayStation. But like seeing it play out and seeing just these unbelievably high resolution uh, models that are put in the world that look 100% photorealistic. I mean, 100% photorealistic. Lighting that naturally moves to the environment. It's, it's shocking to see. It's, it's unbelievably good looking. It's unreal. No one else has said that before. <laughs> yeah, I was stunned. Like watching this, I was as I was watching it, sitting on the toilet, taking a poop. <laughs> I was jaw dropped. I was like, this is what I've been waiting for. When we've been waiting for mm -hmm. why next gen matters and what things are gonna like, this is exactly what I needed to see. And yeah. it's a shame because as they kind of mentioned, like they were preparing this demo demo ramping up for March. So it's obviously something they were going to show off at GDC, but it was delayed by a couple of months. So like there was a lot of really shitty conversation over the last couple of months that could have been prevented had COVID not happened. Yeah. Um, I really feel like 
this demo was also going to be shown off at Mark Cerny's discussion. Like they would, we kept talking like, oh, they needed somebody to compare it to and say this is what we can do now. And I bet this is what they were going to show. Yeah, no way to know, but it would make sense. They mentioned several times about having movie quality assets. Like you, they there was mm-hmm. one particular like. Uh, marketplace that they said most people go to get really high resolution movie quality assets and then they create shittier looking versions for it and being able to see this demo and for real see that yes a lot of these assets and environments look photorealistic made me so excited and they mentioned that the technology like we finally are seeing why the ssd matters we've talked about load times we've talked about being able to design your games differently but mm-hmm. also the benefit of ha- of being able to instantly load, like the, the speed of these things, being able to instantly load that high-res asset into RAM makes it so much easier for us to be able to manage all of those things together on screen at once. You can turn mm-hmm. your character's head 90 degrees and we can immediately get rid of all that other shit and bring all the shit you need to see in an instant. So being able to see this blew my mind. The lumen, like the lighting and shit like that, Obviously looked amazing. I'm still not someone who, like, I see it and I'm like, I know why that's beautiful and gorgeous, but I don't understand. I, I see that that's beautiful and gorgeous. I don't understand why it's beautiful and gorgeous. All, all I know is that it is. <laughs> so the Nanite was definitely much more exciting for me and much more. What makes it exciting is that I think this is really a good way for us to now see faithful, good versions of ports across a variety of systems. Like mm-hmm. we talked, we talked about. I hadn't thought about that. You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. We talked, we talked about. Oh my god, these new features you're only going to see on these consoles with the SSDs in them, and then they're going to be shitty experiences mm-hmm. elsewhere. But with the engine itself being able to scale all of this in real time and cr- pick the best looking version for the console you're running on and the the mm-hmm. hardware you have in front of you is going to be invaluable for creating a Switch version of a game or creating uh, mm-hmm. a PS4 version and a PS5 version at the same time that can each look as best they can on each system. Which was our big concern going into, uh, for Nintendo, is how can you get these ports uh, from a PS5 and a Series X down to the Switch? That's, that could ruin the Switch, and it sounds like that's probably not going to be the case, which is fantastic. Right. It doesn't mean that the Switch version will look as beautiful as this. It means, oh, God, no. no. <laughs> not at all. It just means that developers yeah. aren't going to have to create entirely brand new, shittier-looking mm-hmm. assets and shittier-looking lighting systems for the game, they're literally just going to be able to hit run on Switch checkbox. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be more mm-hmm. complicated than that, but they're basically going to say, make this run on Switch, and the engine will do all the work in the background. Yeah. It definitely, and this is kind of leading into the next part of the conversation, but like it, it, it kind of, I'll leave this as my last thing before we move on. You can say anything else if you want to afterwards, of course, as well. Um, that it, What's cool about this demo is a lot of Unreal demos, and a lot of tech demos in general are just saying, here's how good this game could look. And this game... Now, this demo, A-plus on that mark, like how good things could look, A-plus. But also A-plus in this is going to make things so much easier. It's not so good looking that it's impossible to make and this is this unachievable standard. No, no, no. This is actually going to be easier to work with than it has been in the past. I mean, think about the task of making hypothetical Mass Effect game across Switch, PS4, you know, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox Series X, and having this different... I mean, it's the time and money that's going to be saved is huge. How is this going to impact crunch? How is this going to impact a lot of things that have hurt developers? Like I thinking back to like, um, you got me on this track. Thank you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You opened my mind. Like thinking of like rockstar 
and how they had their issues with crunch. And one of the examples was, oh, we needed to change a, um, the name of a town. And because of that, we had to go into all these menus and like change there. We also changed all these art assets. And imagine having to change the name of a town for the sign on one sign for all the different consoles. That's insane. Don't yeah. have to do that anymore because it just scales. I think Very this cool. is really exciting because it and it empowers and enables smaller developers to do really great things across a bunch of platforms. It saves yeah. time and money for large developers. They don't have to create new versions of everything for their other systems. What I don't know the impact of this, but there are game developers out there whose sole purpose is to create ports of other games. Like, mm-hmm. you see big game come out on PS4 and Xbox One, and then there's another company that they contracted out to do the Switch version. Like, what's going to happen to those companies now that their work is not necessarily needed with Unreal They Fly? could be more profitable because they could take on more of those jobs. Rockstar those might jobs don't to... exist though. Though, if the PS4 version can just be a check a, a box and the Switch version's created, I I think it does, they'll still want to have someone like QA testing and making sure that it looks good enough. Like, hey, it's scaled down, but I can't even read that sign anymore. So sure. let's you know let's re- remake a sign for the, in that specific instance. But like instances like that will be much uh, fewer and far between than they are now. But you're right; we don't know. We'll, we'll yeah. find out. Let's talk about the next thing. So, discussions about the Unreal 5 engine have been rampant across the internet since its announcement. Some people are lowering their expectations because they feel that games won't be able to reach the benchmark set by Epic. And if they are met, it's only achievable by AAA developers. But apparently that might not be the case because Unreal 5 engine, Nanite, and Lumentech will be, quote, awesome, says Epic. This comes from Zermenicon at PlayStation Lifestyle. And Tim Sweeney, we've got a long quote here, says... Our goal isn't just to bring more features to developers, but to help solve the hardest problem in game development right now, which is that building high-quality content takes enormous time and cost. So you want to make it highly productive for people to build games of this quality level. This sort of super-dense geometry system that we've built really means that all the industries that use our engine can basically not have to worry about additional authoring process. You can load in a movie-quality asset, and the engine does all the work behind the scenes. That's impressive. I feel like we've kind of talked a little bit about that. It makes it more efficient. Yeah. Using that movie quality asset. They talked all the mm-hmm. time about, they tried to, made sure to say this as many times as they could, billions of triangles on the screen right now. There are <laughs> 10 billion triangles on the screen, which is insane compared to what you might be able to do currently with the regular consoles oh, that we have out. absolutely. What this kind of quote made me think of is, like, you know, you have, there's a lot of skepticism about, Unreal Engine 5, which is kind of surprising to me. Like, people look at it, and just like you just said a second ago, like, people say, oh, this is only achievable by by AAA developers. And even then, like, only, like, the best of the best really know what they're doing. And it's like, no, like, the whole goal was the opposite of that. The the, the exact opposite of that. And then I lost my train of thought, and I can't remember what the next thing I was going to say was. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Give me a second. Speak. Okay, cool. Give me a moment to to think. Um, So the... The fact that the engine was shown off on PlayStation 5 has been a big point of controversy, and uh, it's fueled the console wars. We've alluded to this before. Before I say anything about this, you have your point back in your yes, head. Yes, I have my point back in my head again. So it was related to this. There's been a lot of hubbub and just console war fanboying, that kind of stuff. We'll talk about that in a second. But also people have been saying in rumors like, oh, this is actually going to be the biggest leap in, in processing for games we've ever seen. And not processing meaning like GPU, CPU, but just like the way things are looking. It's going to be the biggest jump in a generation we've ever seen. And people have been really skeptical. There was the whole, we should lower expectations that we saw like last week. Um, and 
this is I think people are skeptical because it's so clearly not true that it's not going to be a huge leap in the next generation that people I, I think a lot of people are literally having a hard time imagining that they're going to be able to play something that looks as good as as that and I've heard a lot of people say oh but tech demos they don't end up looking as good as what you see and I'm like that's actually not really true with Unreal at least an example like if you look at the Elemental demo they had uh, before the last generation came out like I, I watched it again this week it looks pretty much like what a PS4 and Xbox One game looks like. It's not that far off. Of course, there's always going to be that someone else makes rocks that look shittier than someone else's rocks. And that, there's always <laughs> going to be like a degree like that. But, I mean, this is not a benchmark. I don't think it's going to be unrealistic. If anything, we will finish this generation and say, man, that Unreal Engine 5 demo doesn't look as good as the later PS5 and Xbox Series X games. Like, this is absolutely an achievable benchmark. That's what I was going to say. Cool. Let's talk about uh, some of the controversy been around this. So Epic and Microsoft aren't saying whether that Unreal PS5 demo can run on Xbox Series X. And there's an update to catch this as well. This is from some Ethan Gadget Kotaku. So Kotaku reached out to Epic Games regarding the Unreal Engine 5 on Series X. And this is what a spokesperson said. Quote, The demo we revealed on Wednesday is running on PS5 because that's been our target platform for this particular experience. UE5 with core technologies like Niagara VFX and Chaos Physics and Destruction, and the newly revealed Nanite Virtualization Geometry and Lumen Dynamic Global Illumination, is also targeting Xbox Series X. Microsoft added, The fidelity seen in the Unreal Engine 5 tech demo is something that people can expect for next-gen gaming across devices. Developers around the world, including the majority of our 15 Xbox Game Studios teams, are using Unreal Engine to build their future projects. We look forward to partnering with Epic and working closely with Unreal 5 across our development teams when it releases in 2021. And then after the demo was shown off, there was actually like a, a nice little discussion with Jeff Keighley and a couple of other guys, uh, including Tim Sweeney from Epic Games. And a couple of extra things came from that discussion. Uh, a few times during the interview, Jeff Keighley tried to get a statement on how performance of UE5 differs from between PS5 and Xbox Series X. And Sweeney, each time he said... Uh, a couple of times he kind of referenced this. We love all of our babies and we can't make comparisons or pick favorites. And then outside of Unreal Engine 5, Keeley also said, uh, asked post-demo uh, and revealed new details such as cross-platform multiplayer being baked into Unreal Engine 5 and that Epic will waive all royalty fees until you've made a million dollars from your first game, which is pretty cool. So Holden, what do you think of all of this, all of this fanboy, this is not going to be able to run on Xbox Series X, PC will have this is only on PlayStation. PC is gonna blow this out of the water anyway. Like, what do you make of all of this? So here's so I think a lot of people are conflating PlayStation, Sony making an announcement versus Epic making an announcement. Epic made an announcement and they ran that demo on the PlayStation Five, and it sounds like they did so because they have a lot of confidence in the hardware. I'll touch on that in a second because I've been swayed a little bit by this demo, and. But it has nothing to do, Sony's marketing had absolutely nothing to do with this, other than like maybe several months ago or a year ago or something like that, when they're working on it, they said, hey, when you show off, you know, your Unreal demo, you have to do it on a PlayStation 5. And there was some contract sign. Like, but this is not like a Sony marketing effort. There's nothing on Sony's PlayStation blog about this, and there's nothing on the PlayStation YouTube channel about this. This is specifically a epic announcement but so many like um playstation fanboys online are like like there's one guy i'll call him out his name is uh j-dub i think is what his name is on twitter and i saw a few people retweeted him saying 
you know, uh, I guess Xbox's 12 teraflops can't do this. I guess that 2.4 like gigabits per second SSD is is worth it. I'm like, oh my god, dude! Like, obviously this is gonna run on Xbox Series X. Unreal doesn't make an engine only for PlayStation 5. They make an engine for literally anything that has a screen on it nowadays that has the capability to play games even remotely. Um, I mean, Tim Sweeney even joked that only the Commodore 64 is not gonna be running Unreal Engine 5. <laughs> um, <laughs> And Which doesn't the know engines, is a very old computer. The, specifically, the goal of the engine is to make it easy to develop on everything. Exactly. So that what you do on yeah. one thing applies to everything else without any extra work. Exactly. And it's, it's that's why it's like it's hilarious to me that there's this big console war. And it's not like the Microsoft fanboys are coming back and saying, like, this is a cross-platform you know, engine. They're not saying anything like that. They're saying, that was running at 1440p, 30 frames per second. Lame. And I'm like... That's such a terrible counter argument. Like <laughs> you're just both fanboying right now. Uh, it's exactly what you said. It's a cross generational thing. It's not, it's it, it's designed to make everything easier across platforms. We don't know what this looks like on Series X. It could look worse. It could look better. We don't know. Like we've only seen this one on PlayStation Five. So just the console fanboying around this is really funny to me because it's so off base. Um, I do think, and this is what I'm saying. I've been. I'm not going to say critical, but I've been skeptical of Sony putting so much weight into the SSD. It seemed a little overkill to me. But when I saw this, it really clicked for me. And I was not open before to the possibility that Sony could have the more powerful console. But I actually think that might be possible because of Unreal Engine 5 and how it scales I think there's a lot that Sony can really benefit from because of that SSD, even if their teraflops are are worse. There are other details like audio and lighting that you know we could touch on too, but like that SSD is going to help graphics so much, and this demo clearly demonstrated that. Um, I don't think I have the quote in here exactly, but um, Tim Sweeney even said that the reason they chose the PS5 was maybe I did put it in here. The reason they chose the PS5 was because of the system performance. Like the overall system performance is why they decided to run this on the PlayStation Five. Um, I do want to place a little bit of, uh, um, I'll say, constructive feedback to Jeff Keighley. I do think a lot of this whole like fanboying on the consoles stems from how it was di- shown yeah, off by Jeff Keighley saying, kind of like, fueling the fire a bit. Yeah, he's like, this period is PlayStation 5, period. And I'm like, he's not wrong, but he's definitely trying to hype it up because there's not a lot of discussion around PlayStation 5. So it will make this message permeate more if PlayStation 5's name is attached to this. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not in the least concerned that games will look really, really great across all of these consoles, for sure. I do think that there's obviously some kind of deal made between Sony and Unreal that, hey, when you work on this demo, maybe we'll float you a little bit of money, maybe we'll offer support and like troubleshooting and, and that kind of stuff as we figure out the new hardware mm-hmm. together in exchange for you showing off your demo on our system. Um, Mm -hmm. and maybe even some kind of exclusivity around that announcement so that, like, you don't have to say, oh, yeah, this can run on everything. You're like, hey, we chose to run it on PS5. Like, it's running on PS5. Everyone just shut up. So Mm -hmm. I do think that it's not necessarily marketing, but maybe it's just a partnership that they had there between them that seems to work in Sony's favor for sure. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) But part of what Tim Sweeney was saying several times throughout the discussion afterwards is the how these consoles not necessarily are going to be more powerful than the highest end gaming PCs, but that they will be more capable because Mm -hmm. of the architecture and the way that it 
it communicates with the SSD and because they are like they are engineered together like the SSD yeah. is custom and the way that it works with the the console is custom and that's going to allow for a little bit for more things that you'll be able to do on these consoles than you would on PCs even the highest end gaming PCs today and that that I don't know how that works and I don't know what the <laughs> I don't know what the outcome of it will be and like the tangible things we can take away from that but that that gets me excited that even though high end PCs today have maybe faster SSDs or they have faster um, processors and graphics cards and things like that, that because they're custom like this, they're going to be able to pull off more things. I guess that's not really surprising. If you relate that to like Apple versus Android. Absolutely, yeah. Because because Apple owns the whole stack, they can really optimize things and make th- with Android phones saying, we have 570,000 gigabytes of RAM in the new Pixel whatever. And it's like, it doesn't matter because the three that you see in an iPhone does even more faster. So, yeah, I guess that's kind of the same kind of argument. So I'm not really surprised. But this is but- the, f- right, yeah, I agree with you there. It, I think the reason that it's it's really cool is that it's never happened before. There's never been a point where a new console right. came out that the PC Master Race didn't come out and say, but it always, it always looks better on PC to begin with. And now that's not the case. I think where the SSD, and this is what's really clicked for me, where the SSD is so beneficial with graphics is that you can load in the assets really fast, of course, but you can also do things like load in animation files really quickly. So you could have much more nuanced, custom animations that wouldn't be possible on a spinning drive because you can load in a crazy amount of animation files at once or larger animation files that have more data in it because you don't have to worry about it. Like I just think this totally eliminates the bottlenecks completely, at least on PlayStation 5's front, we know that. And on Xbox's front, they have the velocity architecture, which is just about kind of pushing things to the processor a lot faster um, from the hard drive, from the from my memory. And apparently that's really successful too, but we don't have that, you know, test case like we have here with PlayStation 5 to really see it play out. And I think that's where it comes from. It's just like that SSD can just load things so much faster that it literally takes tasks away from the CPU and the GPU. That it doesn't have to. They can offset better lighting and that audio engine and things like that to the GPU and CPU instead. It, this is hugely exciting. It's This is really, really cool. And then to kind of go into the other kind of stuff they talked about too, which was the waiving the royalty fee for your first game until you make a million dollars. That's that's massive. I mean, yeah. like, we we've talked about wanting to make games before at some point, and that's just kind of cool to know. Like, I can use the same tools as the pros and achieve really strong results, especially with the lighting engine and all that kind of stuff they're showing off now. And it's not, and it's it's not like, tied it, to you, you have it. to just you have to put this in the Epic Store. Like, it's not tied exactly. To that. It's like literally yeah. just use our engine, put it on whatever the fuck you want, and keep mm-hmm. the money. And that's that's so cool. I'm getting so much respect for Epic because they've gotten so much money and they're not focused on this like profit maximization. They're focused on like community maximization. And that's a really, it's really nice to see that. I love the video game industry for that reason. I just feel like we're like, we just get along so much better as a community than other communities do. As we um, just now talked about console fanboys. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think that's indicative of the entire community though. Yeah. Like I think that's a lot of, that's a loud microphone with not that large of an audience. Um, but the other thing that's really cool here is the cross-platform multiplayer support being baked into Unreal Engine. That's huge. We've been having some problems with that lately. Oh my Call of Duty fucking. Warzone. Literally nothing. <laughs> the most livid I am every single week is the time when we spend the inevitably 30 to 45 minutes fucking around trying to get the cross-game chat to work in Warzone, and it doesn't, and then we have to use fucking Discord instead. That I I get irrationally angry and upset at that entire experience <laughs> every single week. 
And it's also mostly my fault because I refuse to put because, my, re- uh, <laughs> because you won't I make won't space on your PS4 for it. Dallas okay, legit said Dallas legit said, I have a hard drive at home. I'm gonna just fucking empty it and I'm gonna go drop it off at his house. Maybe we'll throw it through the window with a <laughs> with a <laughs> note written on it. And then we were talking about like, what if can we install Warzone on the hard drive to make it even easier for him to just plug it in and play it? <laughs> Okay, fine. I'll find space this week. I'll do that. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. Dallas is in the chat. Download it on PS4, you motherfucker. Yes, blast him. <laughs> I know. I was going to do it, but you called me motherfucker, so I don't know anymore if I want to do it. <laughs> I think it's impossible to read motherfucker and not sound exactly like Dallas. Motherfucker. It, it is a, it, it's a Dallas it's a Dallas. Is it weird that it turns me on? Let's move on. <laughs> Speaking of Dallas, no, that's uh, I'm really excited about the Unreal Engine Five. Keeping your oh, expectations okay. yeah. tempered, the engine is not finished and it's not coming out until 2021. So it's not like we'll see mm-hmm. all of these great benefits at launch. Um, it's not also like every video game is not made in Unreal. Like there are plenty of other engines out there, first party stuff that will be taking care, uh, mm-hmm. kind of taking their own approach to game design and how they might be optimizing it differently. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think we're going to see anything that looks like this tech demo for a couple of years at least. From Unreal, yes. But just because Unreal is just announced their technology doesn't mean that stu- um, Sony Studios haven't been using very similar tech for their next-gen games for a few Sorry. years now. Sorry, yes. Uh, from a third-party yeah. perspective is what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm sure we'll see some amazing um, Sony first-party stuff soon, but... Yeah, so it's, it's very clear Sony's going to be the only company coming out of the gate that will have something that's actually next-gen. Um, so I, I can't. I'm more excited now to see what those games look like. Um, I'm still like holding on to Ratchet and Clank being a launch game, but damn, like I really want to see what God of War Two is going to look like now. I can't oh. even imagine. Because God of War's always been about about epic. It's always been about epic, and I just can't. Yeah, segue. Go, go, go for it. <laughs> We're gonna move into our subscriber interrogatives. Oh, we've moved. We've totally lost the Ryan's. I'm gonna bring it back. For Ryan, Silo Sword. Ryan subscriber interrogative. This one comes from D Smitty Games. No, yes, D Smitty Games. That's your handle. Dallas. He gives us another merry fuck kill. And he says, God of War Combat, Sekiro Combat, or Final Fantasy VII Remake Combat. Merry fuck kill. Hold on, I'm going to let you go first. I got to, this is a disclaimer, and I think I can speak for you here as well. When you're talking about three combat systems that are very good, you're going to have to kill something you love. We just need to get that out of the way right yeah. now. You're going to have to kill something you love. Yeah. I've already married Sekiro's Combat, so I'm just going to continue my, <laughs> my, my loving marriage there. Um, I haven't played enough Final Fantasy VII Remake, whereas I've played, I mean, all of God of, God of War. I mean, all of the side stuff, but I played the whole game. And I still think I'm going to kill God of War's Combat. Ooh! Just because, not that Sekiro and God of War's combat are like the the most similar, th- you know, thing ever. They're not. They're pretty different. But I think they're closer than Final Fantasy VII Remake and Sekiro are. Yeah, I would say so. Just because Sekiro's uh, is and God of War more action based, whereas Final Fantasy VII is action based, but also very systems based. And if I want to take a break from my marriage to fuck something else. In this case, it's going to be Final Fantasy VII. That's not how Mary Fuck Kill works. You don't take a break I mean, from your marriage to just go fuck whenever you want. Well, I guess I'm <laughs> cheating on Sekiro. How else would it work? Do I do I 
uh, fuck Final Fantasy VII before I even marry Sekiro. That's yeah. not how it played out. I we already don't, we don't support Sekiro. infidelity here. Polyamory. Some for some people it works. You ever see Big Love? It's not polyamory. Otherwise, it'd be Mary, Mary, Mary. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, yeah. So, gonna kill God of War's combat. I still love it. Gonna kill it. Gonna marry Sekiro combat, and I'm going to have a good, passionate affair with Final Fantasy VII's uh, remakes combat. All right. I have not decided for sure any of these three yet. The only thing I do know is that I'm not marrying Sekiro's combat. Because I see Sekiro's okay. combat as something that is hugely satisfying when you re- get really good at it. But it takes so much. And it's so high maintenance. It's like a trophy wife. Like, man, I get to have sex with that. Isn't she beautiful? But also, like, she goes through my bank account like that. And uh, she only eats seafood. And I fucking hate seafood. So now we got to go to two fast food restaurants. Long John Silver's and Taco Bell. <laughs> that's that's my imaginary marriage with my trophy wife this gorgeous woman <laughs> who spends all my money but we still eat really shitty fast food uh so i'm not gonna marry sekiro combat i haven't decided if i'm gonna kill it yet or not though um god of war obviously that leviathan axe just feels so good and everything is so methodical final fantasy 7 however you get that three person setup you get the tinker with all the little goddams in there and you get to uh you get to get those commands and it just feels really nice and fluid and epic. So I'm going to... I guess I gotta decide for Sekiro. Am I gonna fuck it or am I gonna kill it? Because I'm gonna... Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Twist. I'm marrying Final Fantasy VII Remakes Combat. Because not only does it come with Tifa and Aerith, but it also comes with Cloud and Barret. So, like... I don't know. Cloud made a pretty enough woman, so I'm okay with marrying that and being with that the rest of my life. <laughs> Barrett could make some fun jokes, and anytime that I like have a successful bowel movement, he can go da 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 da, and I'll be okay with that. But then you know I get Tifa and Aerith. I don't have to choose between those two. I don't get Jesse. But it doesn't matter. Final Fantasy VII Remake Combat. I'm marrying you because you are actually polyamory, which means that I'm going to fuck God of War Combat. Because that's just one thing you got to try once. You just got to feel that that power coursing through your body once, and then it's too much, and then you kill Sekiro. Boom! Nailed it. If you have a Ryan subscriber interrogative you would like to submit, you can do so on Twitter, or if you have our phone numbers, you can text us. <laughs> <laughs> Finally tonight, we're gonna wrap up with Game On Game Show. The game on our gaming show, where we play a game called Game On on our game show, and it's a game, 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 game. As I mentioned earlier, I took a nap today, so I was out of time. So we're playing Now Flesh It Out, Now Flesh It Out. Uh, Dallas says those are some good points, Chad. Thank you. I thought through it very, very hard. <laughs> we're going to take Now Flesh It Out. We're going to take two games that uh, are separate entities, and we're going to figure out what it might look like if we mash them together and what that resulting game would be. Hold on, I've got three pairs here. Let's, let's stick with the God of War train. We're going to okay. mix God of War with Snake. Not Metal Gear Solid Snake, but no, I know Snake, the old game where you just go around the screen and try not to eat your tail. Okay, here's what it is. It's actually a racing game. Oh! You can go the direction, but you're on the snake, the Earth Snake. What's the snake called in, in God of War? Oh, I don't fucking remember. But yeah, the giant the, snake. The giant snake. The serpent. The serpent here's of the, the skies. Ch- 
<laughs> Here's the challenge of this racing game. The tracks are one lap of a track is exactly one third the length of the giant snake. Okay. Which means that each lap you can't go on the same area that you went to before because you're taking up that space on the track. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. Okay, so, so if you, you have do a three laps path every time. Yeah, you have to do a different path every time. Okay. I don't know if the racing comes into that. There's I guess another stake you have to avoid their <laughs> path as well. That's well, what maybe it is. it's just a time trial thing. You're just trying to finish it as quickly as possible without dying. Oh, also you are driving as Kratos riding the giant snake. That's important. Uh, that is yes. And there has to be a saddle. You okay, can't, of course. Yeah, yeah, you can't ride bareback on that thing. That's just no. murder on your pelvis. Yeah, those scales are I mean, they're old. They're probably very coarse and painful. You gotta have a nice little cushiony saddle. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a unique take you have there, Holden. A unique take indeed. What if, however, what if it's a series of QTEs, like the whole thing, it is just a big giant boss battle that you play over and over and over, and it's just the snake eating shit in the environment, and you are, got, maybe this is more old school God of War rather than new school God of War combat, where it's just you running around trying to like grab it with the chains of Olympus and like rip its head in one direction to try to force it to eat itself. But it's eating other shit and growing the whole time, and you're just like trying to force it to eat its tail or eat its body using QTEs. And then you don't have to race people, and there aren't laps. Yeah. And, and, and you just get to be Kratos kicking ass. Yeah, you just get to kick ass as Kratos. I'm into it. Yeah. I'm into it. All right. All right. Okay, 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 okay. Firewatch mm-hmm. crossed with Overwatch. <laughs> All on an Apple Watch. That last part is not a thing. But <laughs> Firewatch and Overwatch. Here's what it is. It's very, very simple. It is an Overwatch map, but you just kind of walk around it and say hi to everyone. <laughs> That's I it. Want it. That's all. I want it to be just like it's an Overwatch competition, but everyone's just like pudgy, and all they can do is like throw an empty beer can or something like that, <laughs> and they move really slow, and they're out of breath as they climb over logs. <laughs> <laughs> That would be That's a, 100% it. That would be a fun online game. Where it's like you're, you're you're out of shape. Everyone's just Kevin James and you're running around just like an open field with logs in it and you're just like tripping over your shoelaces and shit. That would be fun. <laughs> the more the more you move, you lose weight. But at the end of the match, whoever has the most weight and the most kills, that's the winner. Like you get like an MVP kind of thing. Like Yeah. So you get more points by not moving as much. Exactly. Oh, I like that. But that's you a nice lose twist. weight and you can move faster, which means you can kill more people to get more points that way. It's a trade off. Oh, that is that's some good systems right there. Yeah. Let's make that game. Finally It sounds like a fun game. Actually. It does kind of yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ghost of Tsushima. Sorry, Tsushima, as we learned it was pronounced this week, crossed with Telltale's The Walking Dead. So here's what you do. You take all the good parts of Ghost of Tsushima and all the good parts of the Telltale series, and what you end up with is Ghost of Tsushima and none of the Telltale <laughs> stuff. Uh, that is unfair, because the story <laughs> of The Walking Dead series is excellent. Excellent. Um... But yeah, the the Telltale engine and Telltale gameplay is all about story. And that's the part of Ghost of Tsushima that I just don't feel like I care about right now. So it'd be hard to mash those two together. 
everything else about the Telltale games is garbage. The engine, <laughs> the mo- method of interaction. <laughs> bring bring the method of interaction into Ghost of Tsushima. And like when the gust of wind like comes up, you have to choose if you want to follow it or not by like moving your like joystick inside of a circle. And once you move it inside the circle, then you can follow the, the gust. <laughs> It'd be something like arbitrary like that. That sounds horrible. It does sound but that's, that's the game. That's the games. game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it for Game on Game Show, and that is it for episode 161 of Respawn Aim Fire. Remember, you have a couple of things to do. If you are a patron, go to patreon.com slash respawn aim fire and vote for next month's barf game. If you're not a patron, go to patreon.com slash respawn aim fire and become a patron. If you are neither of those things, you're not alive because you're either a patron or you're not a patron. In which case please email me and tell me how you're listening to this podcast. Uh, other things you have to do, go support us on YouTube, subscribe to our Chan Chan. That's short for channel that I just came up with right now. Soup's good. Uh, Could Baby Yoda you say Channy Chan? Channy Chan. Chalky Chalk. God, remember when Chalky Baby Yoda Chalk. first came out and you were obsessed with Chalky Chalk? <laughs> <laughs> it's shooty shoot. Shooty shoot and Chalky Chalk. That's fucking it, everybody. Until next time, here's our usual sign off. Chalky Chalk.